spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, Lafayette, Louisiana, do you realize that we play football this week? Welcome to Rage and Review. Matt Miguez here. Josh Jagno and Jerry Bear join me as well. Gentlemen, welcome in. How the hell are you doing? I'm happy to play football. I'm happy to think about football. I'm happy to talk about football. Yeah, pretty much everything what he just said. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, no, no, no doubt about it. Right off the top, you know, huge, huge thanks to the... To the sponsors, as always, let's go through the list. Priority Access, Urgent Care, Chris Russo and Russo Exploration, Schilling Distributing, Award Master, PSC Supply and Hardware, Escape Reality, Travel Agency. I don't think we can announce the others yet. Okay, I think that I think that's it. Good I keep award. Did I say Award Master? You did. I did. Okay. Okay. We gotta write this stuff down. Yeah, we do. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, there, there's so many, which is which is phenomenal. You live and you learn. Big, big, big thanks to everybody as well, guys. It's game week. Fired up, dude. Like holy hell. Uh, yeah. It snuck up on you a little bit after you had nothing to look forward to for six months, and then you announced the game with Iowa State. You get super excited, and then oh, it's here. There, there really was no there was no time for where, you know you go well. We're, we're, we went over playing, and now we have to wait all this time. No, it's here already. It's unbelievable. I think the drama with the offseason of are we going to play, are we not going to play, and we've heard rumors that this conference is postponing and this conference is not playing, and then this conference changed its mind, and, you know, all of that, as a football fan, you you you, you try to separate yourself from it because sometimes it becomes depressing. It wore my ass out. It wears you out, and then all of a sudden, like, in one fell swoop, we're playing, right? And we're good to go. And oh, by the way, uh, we've scheduled or we've revamped the schedule based on the teams we were supposed to play that aren't playing. And then you come in and put three new games on your schedule, which means that we're a hundred percent committed, full steam ahead, ready to go. So it's pretty awesome. Let's dive yeah, right into stuff. this right off the bat. There were three Sun Belt Conference games in week zero. Sun Belt showed up and showed I guess, out. Would you call this week zero or would you say it's I week one? I think they called it week one because week zero was... Would you, would you say it's week one? Yeah, okay. it's week yeah, one. Yeah, because week zero was the week b- before when right. Central Arkansas played our Austin B. That's correct. In this, yeah. in this season, who, I have no idea cares? what you call it. Anyways, Thursday way, night... What the hell is week zero anyway? Like one game. It's like one game and that's pretty much... They do that one preview game the week before everybody yeah. else plays. It's a bad marketing scheme is what it is. It is. But anyways... South Alabama showed up and showed out in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, defeating the Southern Miss Golden Eagles 32-21. to Boys, I said it last year, Desmond Trotter should have been the guy. No, real deal. Real deal. I mean, look at how he played against us in a game that they had nothing to, to lose or win. I mean, it was a throwaway game against us. He came out and played well. They had us on the ropes for three quarters. I mean, the guy can play, and he's going to continue to get better and get better. But look, the South Al, I don't know if you guys watched the game. South Al is better than Southern Miss. Absolutely. Four quarters. Look, you can say first quarter, second quarter, you know, offenses ahead of defense, whatever it was. They were better. They were more physical. They were more in shape. They had Their offensive line was physical as F. And then, you know, let, let's not forget that 
South Alabama forced a coach to resign. That's true. I think I think I think he was on the on the on the rocks anyway. Was he? They didn't like him, dude. In in four years, he's had four winning seasons and three bowl appearances. They had some stuff that went on in the offseason that fans were upset about. I learned this on their board. Mm. And also, oh, too, right. and, and like we talked about before, you know, the expectations at Southern Miss, even with a winning season, sure. seven and five is not good enough at no. Southern Miss. No. I mean, they're used to the, the, the 10 and two seasons. They're used to going nine and three and competing for the conference championship. I mean, I remember in the 90s, they, they would go eight and three, nine and two and be ranked in the top 25. And they still live in sort of not to say in a bad way, but their expectations are still there where they don't want to go seven and five. They well, want to go eight and four, nine and three. And that's what winning will do for you. Yeah. You, have, an, you have a fan base that expects to win and win at a high level. I, I just can't get over the fact and, and, and outside of the awesome performance by South Al because they had a great game, forcing turnovers, long touchdown drives. But the Sun Belt is one and zero against Conference USA. Oh, <laughs> that's, impo- that's just it's patently impossible. Uh, and you know, beautiful. You know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on that. We're going to dig into a bag that we don't need to get into this early in the year. South Al ran their ass over. I mean, this was if you watch the game. It, of course, I'm not going to say it was never in doubt, but South Al was a better team. That wasn't an accident. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. From the start. Saturday, September 5th, SMU traveled to San Marcos, which, by the way. I don't know if y'all listened to my episode of Underdog Dynasty on the Texas State Preview. Do not get me started on how they pulled that off. But anyways, <laughs> SMU goes to San Marcos host to play Texas State, and albeit a losing effort, Texas State looked pretty damn good. They were better. Your boy here been telling you for Look, six months. I'm going to tell you this. Watch out for Texas State. They owe us. I'm going to tell you this. Jeremiah Haydell is Odell Beckham Jr. reincarnated. Well, look, he, we, he was good last year. I mean, he didn't make those that, kinds of catches. That catch was yeah. freaky. That's a, that's a poster catch you put Because here, here's the, the thing. Here's the thing. First of all, in that sequence, I want to commend the amazing pass by Brady McBride because it takes a certain level of arm to place that ball as perfectly as Brady McBride did. Well, first of all, it took nuts to throw the pass. Correct. And he put it right where it had to be. Right. Secondly, I want to commend the athletic ability of Jeremiah Haydell to get his arm fully extended, grab that ball with one hand, and then figure out a way to keep his ass in bounds. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally his ass. Yeah. You know, he, the, the body control to and, and the wherewithal to have the ball and say, holy crap, I'm falling out of bounds. Let me throw myself to the ground now. Incredible. Yeah. No, I expected them, I, them being Texas State, I expected them to be better. And, no, and nobody's going to mistake SMU for a, a defensive juggernaut. No. I'm not saying that. But the story of the game, and credit to some of the play-by-play guys, uh, I think it was Hewitt on the call. He made a comment a few times. The ability to run the ball four and five and six yards a carry mm-hmm. on Texas State's side. Their offensive line was very impressive. That concerns me going forward. I was already nervous about the game. You know, people think I'm nuts because I think Texas State has a chance to do something to us. There's, it's a circumstance problem that we have, and we have to show up to play that game. But specific to that game, the, the, the SMU game, the offensive line was impressive. Their running backs are capable, and McBride is a problem in the making. 
Yeah, no, no question. You got something? No, I was just going to say they looked well improved. Uh, an old Texas State team. Overall, no an old Texas State team would have lost this game by three touchdowns. Uh, they kept in it. They 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 stayed within the game even after making their own mistakes. Well, and then they got hosed. Yeah, five I mean, six times they were hosed by the refs. They didn't even review the damn fumble. You could see a difference in this team. You could see a little bit of more of a pep in their step. I think right. I think Jake Spavitol has, has got something going in San Marcos. Now, again, I said this before and I'll say it again. I still think it's it's baby steps for them. He's got a, you know, they still have a little ways to go, but that doesn't mean they're not going to be competitive in the conference. Well, we got to build a team. Jerry. Right. San Marcos. Whatever. It's not Marcos. Marcos. I don't, I don't Marco. Know. People still say Marcos, don't they? San Marcos. Whatever. And, I'll tell you, I'll and, and, and here's here's an interesting thing that not many people here. Here's a quiz. I learned this doing the Texas State preview on Underdog Dynasty. Anybody know the name of the Texas State defensive coordinator? Bum 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 bum. Let me look at my magazine. Hold on a second. Bum bum bum. No bum, idea. Bum. Zach Spavitol. His brother? It is the brother oh, of Jake Spavitol. Cool. Oh, runs in the family. So here's the thing, man. If the season doesn't go well, Thanksgiving could be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? Uh, well, I'll say this about Texas State. I expected them to improve under Spavitol. I think Texas State being relevant in the Sun Belt is one of the best things that can happen for Absolutely. the Sun Belt. Absolutely. So I'm rooting for the team. Team, teams that aren't I, sitting. The less teams that are sitting in the dungeon. The better, no doubt. Sure. I want them to go on the national stage and compete, especially in a COVID impact. And last year, let's say there was what? There was four teams in the dungeon: Coastal, South, Texas State. Mm. Okay, maybe three. Uh huh. Right. South Al. Well, he so, said South, said South, South Al, Al Coastal, South Texas Al. State. Roughly three. Yeah. I was going to say ULM too, but maybe not. No, they were five well, and seven or four. They had. They were. Hmm. They were on the cusp of bowl eligibility. Yeah. Um. I wouldn't so, call it a dungeon, but, but like Texas State being relevant is good for the Sun Belt for many, many reasons. It's it, they're in the East, you know. It, right. It's it's us. It's Texas State. Who else in the East? Arkansas Apple. State, obviously. No, Arkansas State's in the West. Are they? Arkansas State's in the West. Okay. They finish second in the West to us yearly. You know, geographically that makes more sense because they are west of us. Right. I'm not very smart. Mm. Debatable. Anyways, uh, just kidding. And then lastly, Arkansas State and Memphis. Not much to talk about here. Uh, Arkansas State looked decent in the first half, and then Memphis just kind of ran away with it at the end of the game. I will say this, my one note. Blake Anderson must be senile because if you truly believe that Logan Bonner is your starter, you're insane. It's a philosophy thing. You're insane. Logan Bonner was a little more dunky, take the easy route, don't throw the big throw, more in the middle of the field, try to be surgical. And what this good did that from, get you? That got just, you an ass whipping against Memphis. This is just from my point of view watching the game. Now, granted, I was probably 10 beers in and, and it was late, so maybe I'm seeing something I didn't see. But when Hatcher came in, it was attack deep, throw the throws that you shouldn't throw, throw the back shoulder throw. He was a little more aggressive. He was. Go ahead. Go ahead. He was more aggressive and took better care of the football. He took. Yeah, he didn't. He throw completed. Any he completed sixty-five percent of his passes and didn't throw any interceptions. But, and that's, you're making my point. Bonner was out there trying not to make a mistake. It, look, and made too many of them. The the, the 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 underlying factor there might be Bonner's trying not to lose the starting role and Hatcher's trying to go out and take it. Maybe that's part of it. But 
regardless of the quarterback position, they don't have the depth. Their offensive line is not very good. Their defense is worse than last year. Yep. They, I did not see the heart in, in that team, and I even tweeted that out. I didn't see – first of all, they got absolutely annihilated from the other sideline in the second half. Uh, Memphis totally outsmarted Blake Anderson's staff. They, they, they didn't know what was coming. And, and it was obvious. Uh, the defense was on its heels the entire second half. The offense looked like it was stuck in the mud. It was amazing because at the end of the first half, you're thinking, oh, shit, Arkansas State's going to be a problem. They, they were. Yeah. And they still have receivers. They were giving Memphis everything no they doubt. could ask for. What, what I learned was that they still have receivers. They played some bully ball with number six on the outside. I can't remember his name. Uh, do you guys do you remember the guy? Uh, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. That's my fault. I didn't, I didn't pay enough attention. He, he he was open. He's one of those guys that's open. You throw it to him. And, uh, you know, Hatcher did that, and Bonner didn't want to make the risky throws, and I thought that was half of their problem. Yeah, I mean, that's that's ob- that's an obvious question. You know, Jonathan Adams Jr. is a guy for, for Arkansas State that really pops off the page to me in, in the wide receiver position as well as uh, Dahu Green. Dahu! But... Yeah, yeah, what did you see? Did you? I mean, did you watch the game? So I, I, I actually missed the first half. I had some other obligations. I came home. So you missed all the Arkansas State highlights then? Pretty right. much. And when I came back, I just noticed that Memphis just turned it up a notch from what the score was at halftime. I just found yeah, that. No question. What, 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 what I saw was the team that played in the Cotton Bowl last year. Yeah. You know, and, and, yeah. and just knowing that Memphis has a little bit more talent. They just have that extra edge. They're at home. Now, granted, there's no crowd there. But a few more guys. They're still at home. Yeah. Um, and I find that uh, their quarterback, Brady White, just, I don't know what happened, but he just turned it up in the second half. Brady White, mark my words, remember it clearly. Brady White. Whenever I don't, I don't remember. I think he's a senior this year. He's going to be an NFL quarterback. Oh no doubt. He, he they were saying that on the air. He is going to be an NFL he, quarterback, and he's going to have a solid career in the NFL as well. Well, he's got the tools. He's got the size. They said the same thing about Paxton Lynch. But I don't want to go that that route. He's playing <laughs> out. But uh, no, I think Brady White's Brady White is much better than Paxton. Twenty six of thirty six for two hundred and seventy five yards and four touchdowns. And played badly in the first half. Right? And that's what I'm saying. From what the I, ability to recover. No doubt. When I turned the TV on, I saw somebody who has NFL potential. Oh no! He's, and they he's, were talking about it on TV. He's and, a talent. There's no doubt. You know, then on top of that, a few times Arkansas State it seemed like they get a drive going, playing catch up, and then they fumble. Or a turnover, or a three and out, and then Memphis would respond. Just march the ball down the field, touchdown drive after touchdown drive, or field goal. I'm like, look, eh. same old Blake Anderson team. Mentally weak, they try to sneak up on you when they when they can't surprise you. They don't adjust. Look, I hate the bastards, so I am biased. It's just what I saw, though. I, I'm just telling you what I saw. Yeah, they no. never adjusted. They they had one game plan. If that didn't work, oh well, everybody for themselves. Right. Yep. Moving on to the Cajuns in the pros. Man, so much to talk about, and it, it's truly a great thing. I want to start with Raymond Calais. So this is this is a recap of the last, you know, 48 or so hours for Raymond Calais. He is on the Buccaneers depth chart as probably their third running back and probably their kick returner. Waved. Gone. Clears waivers, returns to Tampa Bay on their practice squad, gets a phone call from the other side of the country, says, pack your bags, come to L.A., you're on the 53-man. 
He is now a member of the LA Rams as a 53-man roster. What I was reading today, again, like I said, third string back, return guy. But he fits that offense so well. Oh, he does. Spread 100%. He's got hands. What's so funny is that I'm pretty sure Ray Kale was the first rookie signed for Tampa Bay. He was one of the first, yeah. If he wasn't the first, he was one of the first. So they sign him. They love him. He's a, he's a I mean, in my opinion. Tom. If you look at Tom's history. Peller, Peller, I was going to say Brady. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tom Brady's history, you had Kevin Falk come out of the backfield for him. He was a, a later-round draft pick. Fine, whatever. He, I mean, they, those guys had a Hall great rapport, had, had a great career together. Yeah, Kevin Falk's a Hall of Famer. Kale fits in that mold. So, he, I mean, every single video you would see, it's Kale catching a, a, a ball. A, a screen Brady pass from Brady. Backfield. Yeah. I was a little bit shocked, but just, just from a quality of life standpoint, I got to go to Tampa Bay, sweat to death, in the 110 degree uh, heat index, and it's Tampa Bay. It's it's an old folks home. That's what it is. But here's the thing, though. It's still so L.A. calls me up, and I get to move out to the West Coast, yeah. and I'm going to be on a on a perennial winner. And and not to mention, have you seen SoFi Stadium? Oh, oh I have God, to say it's, though, it's absurd. I have to say, even so, though you may say it's a retirement home, Tampa is a very beautiful city. I, I've spent blah years blah, hey, look, blah. Have you been? It, it is Go check nice, it out. I'm telling you. Blah it's a, blah it is, blah. It is a nice city, but I think the average. Go age, check it out. I I've been to Tampa. It's a beautiful city. It's, 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 it's Tampa. crystal clear water in a beach when you land. What's so bad about it's, that? It's nice. And St. Pete's also nice, but I, mean, I'm just I, I, I agree with Josh completely. It's a hot, sweaty old folks home. The the the. <laughs> I mean, I don't I mean, know. The average age of the resident. Unless you don't like the like, beach, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you don't like the beach. I here's, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You go to LA, you can get the beach where it's 85 in the day and that, 60 that, at night. That's a valid point. But among, what I was going to say was, people. what I was going to say was, he went from one nice and, city to another. I and mean, not, and, and not to mention the ridiculous food that California has to offer. Oh, LA, LA, everything he, you could yeah. possibly imagine as a 23 year old NFLer. You buy quality of life, food, by far, in and out burger. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's for real. I've had it. It's okay. It's for real. I don't no, know. No, shame on you. Have you had a shame on you? Have you have you done your burger and fries Vegas. animal style? I got one in Vegas. I have I have no. Oh, how bougie of you, Las Vegas. I'm just well, look, hey, I'm just saying how well, Vegas is a destination to, uh, spot for football too. Oh God, but I'm just no, saying, it's not. Hey, look, with that said, I, I'm happy for Ray. Look, I as some already know, I covered him at Cecilia, so I watched the kid grow up. Super I'm happy so for Ray. I'm so very well well mannered young guy. Got a lot a lot of potential. Comes from a great family, and you know what? He's gonna make a name for himself. Let if, me. If he, I agree. If he stays with it. He's got a shot. Let, let me let me just go back. Let me just go back to your point about Las Vegas. Just because they now have a franchise does not make Las Vegas a football destination. That's going to be an interesting development. Here's the biggest problem of it all. Regardless of where they are, the Raiders still suck. <laughs> <laughs> They're still a joke. That's that's a comment for another podcast. But anyways, anyways. moving on. Um, I'm happy for these two guys, but this one really, really, really pains me. Justin Hamilton and Elijah McGuire have signed with the Dallas Cowboys practice squad. Eli, fresh off the uh, the, the dawning the, of the Super Bowl, right? Right, right. <laughs> Going to play for the boys. Uh, yeah. Hey, man, look. You know, job's go, a job. Go find an opportunity to eat. That's yep. great. Feed you know, your family. It, it, isn't it? We don't talk about enough how relevant Juicy has 
managed to stay. I mean, dude, didn't he graduate in like 14? 14 was his senior year, yeah. That is unbelievable. And he's still hitting practice squads and making rosters. I, I'm thrilled for him, man. I, I think if he gets the right opportunity under the right D.C., he can stick. And maybe it's Dallas. And maybe having Eli there helps him out a little bit, but... How great is it to have those guys on Dallas? I mean, look, it's a professional franchise. I right. hate their, I hate their asses too. But yeah, they're playing pro football and they're going to represent us. Both of those guys are good ambassadors for the university. Before we move on, breaking news from Brett McMurphy: uh, Iowa State's most recent 616 COVID test of athletes, coaches, and staff, only three positives. Hell yeah. One athlete and two student managers. As we learned from Jared Stansberry on the interview, you know, uh, it's going down. It's going down rapidly. So there was a little bit of concern that we wouldn't get the game in because of those ridiculous numbers. But obviously things are coming down. So that's great news. Don't go to parties. Jamarcus, Don't go, go stay home, Cyclone fans. We yes. want to see the game. We want to play. <laughs> Jamarcus Bradley, the human highlight, being a member of the Dog Pound practice squad. Yeah. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts? He's got opportunity, especially for a team like Cleveland. That actually, I know they get the bad rap, but they they have a talented offense on paper. Sure, especially the receiver. Are, are, are you kidding me? Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb. Yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, what, they're, I mean, what, what on, other on, place would you learn on, from? On, on mean, paper, they're a perennial Super Bowl champion. Did yeah. Odell get traded? Odell's been there for two years now. Is he still on the roster in this Cleveland? Year? Yeah. I haven't played it, paid a lot of attention. Odell on one side, Jarvis Landry on the other. I mean, yeah. that's a quarterback's dream. No doubt. I if, mean, so, if, Baker, so, if Baker Mayfield was any good, they'd be good. But, but, but something like that, you, you, you're a rookie. You see, that, and that's surprising because, man, I thought Baker would have yeah, a historic NFL career. I think I thought he was going to suck. He's a shitty attitude. Well, that that's a, that's agreed upon. But We'll find out this year. New head coach once again. Yeah. Former, uh, but no, but, but to the original Auto point. Suit. Dude, Bradley's got talent. He's got tools. Maybe it's a, a year from now, but he's going to get an opportunity. And again, he has the opportunity to stick somewhere. It just takes one guy to believe in you, Matt. Just have just have one position coach, one offensive coordinator. They, if they believe in you, and you know maybe an opportunity presents itself through injuries. You know you hate you hate that that happens to anybody. These guys work so hard, and it's so hard to make the league. But sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes it's what it takes. So when when he gets the opportunity, he's going to make the best of it. I have full confidence in that. And, hey, if it's Cleveland, great. If it's somewhere else, great. And the interesting thing of of yesterday, Michael Jaquette was waived by the Philadelphia Eagles and was then not assigned to their practice squad. That's the shocker uh, of, the, of the transfer. Way, or the just say the transfer, the... The uh, transition wire, in my opinion, the transaction wire. Transaction. I can't even speak. It's fine. The the uh, Mike has got the length. He's got the knowledge. He's got the ability. No way in hell he does not get a shot somewhere. No way. I just don't believe it. I've seen that guy play. He went from wide receiver to cornerback in a single year and was a, a shutdown corner against legitimate competition. He played well against P fives. He showed what he could do. I think he just lacks a little bit of experience for some of these coaches. Maybe there's a, a, a curve that they don't really want to take on. When somebody takes him on and is willing to go ahead and let him sit, learn, watch, whatever it takes, the guy has the ability. I, I think that's the shocker of, of all these. I no, I mean, no, no, no question about that. Before we move on, I would like to show, I'd like to share two, you know, sports things. Number one being a college football score update on this lovely Labor Day evening. 
BYU and Navy. 9.57 remaining in the first quarter. BYU leads Navy 7-0. to zero. Navy's going to win that game by two touchdowns. And... We know we, we we've talked some golf news before on this on this pod. We should talk more golf on this. I would I would like to game. I would like to mention Dustin Johnson won the Tour Championship today, shooting a twenty one over. He has now secured the FedEx Cup, which carries a prize of fifteen million dollars. Eat your heart out, Paulina. Fifteen. Million dollars. Golf savant, dude. Look, that guy. He's had his ups and downs in the in the in the pros, and everybody knows about his, his situation a few years back. But he is the most outside of Tiger, and maybe Rory early on. He is the most talented golfer that I've ever watched play. Oh, before. and another interesting headline that I'm reading now before we move on. The Jets GM says that the team is angered by such low expectations. Well, they've been sucking for 50 years. What do you want? All right, moving on. Cajuns Care, uh, the football program, as well as a couple of athletes from other programs here at the University of Louisiana, traveled to Lake Charles and donated loads of hurricane relief items over the weekend. Um, you know, that just shows the, the, the classiness of, of the Louisiana athletics program, um, as well as the fan base. Huge thanks to everybody that was able to donate. Um, I know I was, um, and I know that I also donated you know, to other projects that were bringing f- supplies to Lake Charles. I have family in Lake Charles that were that were hit very hard by by Hurricane Laura. So, you know, kudos to everybody that could help out. And, uh, you know, we, we, we always seem to, to do this. Matt, it's who we are. It's who we are. It's our culture, man. We, we help where it needs to be. Look, we're the home of the Cajun Navy. Uh, we're the home of, of so many things to be proud of when it comes to these type of of efforts and I, I say it all the time but I just couldn't be more proud to be from here we help people when they need to be helped we, we don't care what the circumstances we step up and uh, our coaching staff and our administration you know some of these guys are not from this area but I think that they learned very quickly what this area stands for and what we do in crisis we come together so that's something to be proud of another thing and yet another thing to be proud of uh, I'm, I'm thrilled I saw the videos and the pictures and I want to be represented by men like that so Appreciate everybody doing that. Yeah, job well done. Um, it was cool to see so many, so much, so much uh, actions of selflessness. Uh, that's what Coach Roby used to talk about is selflessness. So I thought it was very impressive. Uh, and of course, for those look, we we've all played our parts, I'm sure. But if you can continue to help those people out in Lake Charles and the surrounding areas of Southwest Louisiana, they need it as much as they can. So whatever you can, whether it's a charity, any type of function, any type of donations, please continue and let's show. Let's not just show the the region, but the entire world that that Cajun culture and that Cajun generosity. Alive and well. And lastly, before we go to break, Ken Marks has been added to the Earl Campbell Award watch list. I think that's like 20 watch lists that a Cajun is featured on. Piling up the recognition. I mean, can you can you remember another time? I can't. No, no, not at all. No, no. What a, what a time to be alive and what a time to be a Cajuns fan. That's fun. When we come back to Rage and Review, we will give you the rundown of Sunbelt Games this week. We will ask you where and how you're watching the game with the Cyclones on Saturday. We will, talk, importantly. we will talk about cluster injuries in the receiving core. And then we will break down the interview that we are about to play for you with the managing editor of Cyclone Fanatic, Mr. Jared Stansberry. All that and so much more right here on Rage and Review.
Priority Access Urgent Care, located in the Wynwood Shopping Center at 2912 Johnston Street in Lafayette, will provide you with a patient-centered experience with a personal touch. With over 35 years of health care experience, President Owner Ed Haney will provide you with exceptional and affordable care for minor injuries, illnesses, and occupational health, offering vaccines and physicals, on-site x-rays, EKG, and lab services, as well as testing for flu, strep, and COVID-19. Now accepting all major medical insurance, including Medicaid, Medicare, and VA insurance. Open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Priority Access Urgent Care, 2912 Johnston Street, where patients are our priority. Call 337-446-0555 for more information or online at PriorityAccessUrgentCare.com. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Rajan Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Cajun Nation, welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez here. Jerry Abair, Josh Jagno, man about town here with me. And as we said off the top of the show, it is game week. Ladies and gentlemen, plenty of exciting things to discuss. And we are joined by Jared Stansberry, the managing editor of CycloneFanatic.com. Jared, how are you? And thank you so much for joining us. Not too bad. Thanks for having me on, fellas. You know, Jared, you know, we want to we want to start right off the top. You know, we're sitting here on Monday, five days away from the Louisiana-Iowa State game. And before we dive into the game, we have plenty to talk about that, obviously. But before we do that, let's give our fan base a little bit about Cyclone Fanatic. You know, how how the website and the podcast really came off the ground and, you know, kind of like the journey to where you are today. Yeah, so Cycle Fanatic actually started as a message for App State fans um, kind of around the time, you know, when message boards were really starting to take off where you had rivals and uh, not really two more seven at that time, but Scout, um, 
kind of getting going. And so that was a, you know, obviously a paid option and there was not really any sort of free option or anything like that for our state things at the time. So, um, a guy named Jeremy Lane created, uh, he created Cyclone Fanatic. And at that time it was just a message board. And then, um, the current owners of the site, uh, it's, it's two brothers and then, a and then another individual that, uh, lives here in central Iowa, all Iowa state fans, uh, bought the site, seeing it to have the potential to be, you know, a media organization. Um, and, and for a long time, Iowa State has been, historically has been greatly undercovered um, in comparison to the school on the other side of, of the state. And, you know, there's a lot of different reasons that that's the case. But um, obviously, they've had a lot of success in Iowa City uh, going back many years. And so Iowa State always kind of flew under the radar. They had the idea to start this site and have it be something that was going to be all cyclones all the time. Uh, at that time, they hired uh, my boss, which is Chris Williams. Um, so Chris has been the publisher of the site since 2009. Uh, he took over and at that time, literally it was, it was going from a message board to, you know, starting from ground zero basically. And, uh, you know, he started building it up a little bit there, um, for a, a few years and it started to really gain some, some footing. It was probably one of the first, uh, I know that Chris and another guy who worked for our site named Brent Bloom, uh, were two of the first guys to re- really embrace them, the podcast. Uh, space and uh, that allowed them to kind of get start getting a, a foothold in that niche and um, I actually came on as a sites intern in the summer of 2013 when I was uh, going to be a sophomore at Iowa State I'd played basketball in another school and then decided to, to go to Iowa State and um, I'd known Chris Chris and I are from the same hometown so I'd known him for uh, a long time his dad used to drive our bus for sporting events and stuff but uh, he hired me on um, I, and from there, man, it's just, it's really taken off. You know, I, it, after, uh, I got done at Iowa state, I got hired as a staff writer. So that was in, uh, in May of 2016. Um, and we just continued to, to grow from there. When I first started, it was, it was me and Chris, uh, Chris was the only full-time employee. Obviously I was an unpaid intern for the first two years that I worked for the site. Uh, now we have a staff of about 10 people. Um, you know, we're probably one of the largest, uh, websites based in the state of Iowa. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we have the largest podcast network based in the state of Iowa. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we've just really seen it continue to grow and it's been really fun and it's been a you know pretty organic thing where, uh, you know, it's just, it, it started with, with Chris, you know, I came in a couple of years later. Um, and then now you've got, you know, two handfuls of people that are, uh, pretty consistent contributors. We've got a, a trio of guys that played football at Iowa state that, uh, do a lot of analysis stuff for us. And um, we have another guy who's a, a, a part-time uh, staff writer, senior writer for us. He writes a lot of features and things like that. And he's, in my opinion, I think he's the best in the state of Iowa. And, um, you know, it's been really fun. It's pretty fun to, to get to work for a company that's uh, completely independent, uh, not connected with any of the, the networks or anything like that. Uh, it's just three guys in Ankeny that had an idea and um, then just a, a couple handfuls of people that, you know, took that idea and have run with it. And, um, we've had a lot of fun and it's obviously been uh, perfect that, you know, it's kind of coincided with the, the growth of Iowa state basketball starting in, a, in the early part of the last decade. And now the growth of Iowa state football starting, uh, in the late part of this last decade. So, um, 
Jaron, uh, Jerry Abear here. Uh, quick question in regards to the uh, situation with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we're in unprecedented times right now. Uh, one of the reasons why we're playing each other has a lot to do with the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, how is everything going on in Ames right now? I know uh, just a week ago, uh, Iowa State had announced that they would allow 25,000 fans for this game. Uh, and then all of a sudden they reversed the decision into no fans uh, in attendance. Um, currently, how is the situation uh, with the COVID-19? pandemic in Ames as well as the state of Iowa? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it, it's like you said, it's, it's unprecedented times, it's uncertain times, um, and it seems like things change from, you know, not day to day, not week to week, it's like minute to minute at this point, uh, and, you know, the state of Iowa has been, it was probably one of the later ones to really start to see a lot of growth, I mean, just because of our obviously our geographic location in the center of the country. Um, it's not like we have, we're a huge tourist, tourism destination or anything like that. People aren't really coming and going and that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, once the kids came back to school in Ames and the same thing happened in Iowa city, uh, there was a pretty drastic spike, uh, where at the beginning of last week, there were the two, considered the two largest hotspots per capita in the country. Um, and that was the main reason that, they obviously decided to, to change and reverse uh, reverse their decision to have fans in the stands. But, um, I mean, the thing that, you know, you kind of have to keep in mind or something like that is that Ames is not a very big town. Uh, it is a college town in, in every sense of the word. Uh, the population of Ames is about 60,000. Uh, and then you bring 30,000 students back on campus and, you know, you, you times that by half. So, uh that, that obviously made a, a pretty big impact on the, the per capita thing, and that and it's, it's very similar to Iowa, in Iowa City. But uh, as far as at Iowa State, they had a, a pretty solid spike in cases. I think they reported for last week, like last Monday, they reported, I think, about 500 cases, which would have been for tests the previous week. Um, and then just today, they reported about 250 cases uh, for last week. So that number was cut in half from one week to the next. And I would expect that number to probably continue to uh, go down here over the next couple weeks, just like it has at, at most every major university um, in the country. And yeah, I mean, it's like you, like you said, like I, I reiterated at the top of the answer. I mean, it's unprecedented times. It's uncertain times. It's uh, trying to figure out the best ways that you can to navigate it. And um, luckily, you know, our state athletics has, has not been impacted too heavily. They've done a really good job of being able to, to create their bubble. And um, I think that they reported only eight positive tests uh, in, in the week that there was the 500 on campus at Iowa State. So even when campus was maybe getting hit a little bit harder, there was not being represented in the athletic department. And, um, I think that they've got it as back under control as well as you possibly can. And uh, obviously that is somewhat even relative just when you look at everything that's been happening in 2020, I guess. So with that said, I'll add on to that question. Um, with everything going on, I know the... <laughs> I've re we've read that uh, Iowa State as well as Louisiana have both made drastic schedule changes, especially in the non-conference schedule. And for those who don't know, um, Louis the Louisiana Raging Cajuns are the only non-conference game scheduled for uh, Iowa State. Um, uh, with that said, uh, there's been um, a lot of drastic changes with non-conference scheduling, especially with the fact that you know this pandemic has caused a, a ruckus in certain teams playing, certain teams not playing. I know uh, this is indeed the first uh, meeting between the two schools, between Louisiana and Iowa State. 
Um, what is what, what is the perception right now uh, with your fan base uh, as far as playing the, the, the Cajuns? Uh, for us, this is um, a new experience for us as well to be able to play Iowa State. What, what are your fans' uh, reaction to uh, hosting Louisiana this Saturday? I mean, everything that I've seen has been um, incredibly positive. And, and right away, really, even when the game was announced, uh, everybody knew, I mean, there was no, you know, thinking that this was going to be an easy game. I think every, you guys have a reputation of being a program that's on the rise. Uh, I think everybody that follows college football knows the name Billy Napier at this point. Uh, and, and they know that it, they're bringing in, not bringing in somebody that is a cupcake, you know, by any means. And uh, it was going to be a difficult game. Um, I think the only thing that I ever saw that was, I guess, confusing to anybody or somebody, you know, would ask a question was, uh, and I didn't even know that, that, that you guys had dropped a lot yet from your name. So uh, when I first saw Louis, University of Louisiana, I was like, uh, I don't know that I know who that is. But then you realize it's a range occasions. It's like, oh, okay, now you put two and two together and you start to understand. But, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's excited. Um, I think that it, everybody is well aware that it has the potential to be a, a very good football game. And um, I think that when you look at the slate of games across the entire country, uh, it, it's got to be right up there as being one of the best in uh, in the opening weekend and, and probably in all of the, the non-conference games that will be played. Finally, somebody well-educated on the Louisiana name battle. <laughs> um, Jared, you know, I want to spend some time talking about head coach Matt Campbell. You know, before he came to Iowa State, he was the head coach at Toledo for four seasons, and he also spent some valuable time at Youngstown State from 2001 to 2009. Um, but at Iowa State specifically, he's been there five years, has a record of 26 and 15. Six of those 26 wins have come against the top 25. Three of them have come against the top 10. Two-time Big 12 Coach of the Year. You know, the accolades clearly go on and on. In your opinion, Jared, what has made Matt Campbell so successful for the Cyclones? Oh, man. Um, I don't know where to start. Uh, I mean, I think the first thing is that um, Matt Campbell came in here with a plan um, and a plan that he really believed in. Uh, and it, from the, the first day that he was hired in his opening press conference, he talked about how he wanted to make Iowa State the Midwest option for the Big 12. And uh, that's why, you know, early on in their, their recruiting, you really saw them put a heavy emphasis on Ohio. Uh, which is not a place that Iowa State really had historically recruited that hard. Uh, Michigan was another one. Um, they were going into Illinois a lot more than what they ever had previously, and then even Minnesota a little bit as well, uh, you know, all the way out to South Dakota, where they've got a handful of kids from uh, now at this point. But um, I think that's the first thing, is that he kind of, because in the past, uh, you know, Iowa State obviously is not going to be a destination for kids in Texas. Um, for the most part, when you think about uh, just the general recruiting norms, and then you look, look at the other schools that are in the Big 12 uh, that play um, out of the state of Texas. So when you're going to make Texas and Florida kind of your primary recruiting grounds, you're, just the reality is that you're kind of going to be getting the bottom of the barrel. And, and that's not to say that they weren't getting any good players out of, out of Texas because or Florida, for that matter, because, I mean, Hakeem Butler is one of those guys who obviously made the NFL. He's arguably the greatest wide receiver in Iowa State history. 
um, was a two-star recruit from Texas, someone that had no offers from anybody in Iowa State, took a chance on him, and it obviously worked out. Brian TV is a guy who was a multiple-time All-Big 12 player uh, that fits a similar mold. Um, but Matt Kimmel came in here and said that we're going to try and do this in a different way um, and pour against the grain a little bit for what Iowa State has done historically. Uh, so I think that that's the first thing. Uh, and then the second thing is he's just made it about uh, about culture. And, um, you know, you hear coaches, they all have their coach speak or their buzzwords that they use a lot. But uh, and at first, that's what it seemed like it was for Matt Campbell. But now you, you look back at it and what they wanted to bring in above, not necessarily above good players, because obviously you want to bring in good players and you hope that good players can be good culture people too. But they wanted to bring in people that would be culture fits to instill the culture that they want to have at Iowa State. Um, and that's how you end up with guys who are, you know, a guy like David Montgomery, who now uh, I think is about to have a breakout season for the Chicago Bears and uh, was one of the best running backs in the country. He never played running back before. Uh, he got to, to Iowa State, and he's, I think he was a guy that maybe um, our five people looked at as being a little bit undersized. They didn't quite know. He doesn't have that top-end speed that you've seen a lot of big-time backs, but uh, he became an electric playmaker at Iowa State because Matt Campbell believed in him not only as a player, but just as a person. And he is one of the guys that it really came down to when you look back at the most important people uh, here in this kind of rejuvenation of Iowa State. Uh, it's been those guys that are the culture people. Uh, and that's where you turn to a guy like Joel Lanning, who was a, a quarterback at Iowa State during his first three seasons or four seasons in the program. And then his fifth year, as a fifth-year senior, uh, he agreed to make the flip to linebacker and became an All-American middle linebacker for the Cyclones. Um, that's where a guy like Alan Lazard, who uh, committed to the previous coaching staff, was a high-level recruit from Urbandale, Iowa, which is just down the road about 45 minutes from Ames. Uh, his dad was a legacy recruit. He'd been recruited by Notre Dame and Oklahoma and schools all over the country, uh, and he elected to stick with his commitment to Iowa State. And, um, and then even you throw in a guy like Kyle Kemp, who had been to three different schools, had walked on at Iowa State, had never thrown a collegiate pass, and then his first start, uh, making his first start and throwing his first collegiate pass in Norman, Oklahoma, uh, in 2017 where you go and you beat the number three team in the country. And so it's just getting guys like that, that just fit in with what you want your program to be. Um, and then figuring out how to put the pieces together. And, uh, he always talks about players formations plays. And what that means is, you know, you take the players that you've got and then you put them in formations that fit the players that you have. And then you run plays out of those formations that fit the players you have. And, they don't necessarily have a quote-unquote system. They're not going to force people into – they're not going to put a square peg in a round hole, um, and they're going to try and put people in positions to, to play to their strengths. And um, yeah, he's just – the other thing is he's just a leader, man. Like, there's – I've been around a lot of coaches. You know, I, like I said, I've been doing this about seven years, and then I, I cover high schools even all the way back to when I was in high school. So I've had an opportunity to be around coaches. Um I've never been around anybody like Matt Campbell. And I don't, I would even say that in probably just in my whole life. Like this is a guy that you have a five minute conversation with and then you're ready to run through a brick wall. And he's a genuine dude. Um, you feel like when he's telling you something, he really believes it. Uh, he's not giving you lip service. And, um, you know, I think that he was just, he was the right guy for Iowa State at the absolute perfect time. And, um, and it's obviously worked out and it's been a, it's been a really fun last couple of years. And, um, they've just been able to continue to, to build on kind of that foundation of those uh, cornerstone pieces that, uh, that I mentioned there. 
Jared, it's Josh here, man. I, I certainly appreciate you doing this. Uh, I, I wanted to tell you that off the top, but uh, you, you got me fired up to watch Iowa State after we play you guys. I mean, I'm going to follow the program. We were just looking at each other saying that. So uh, we're, we understand fully what culture change can do for a program. Billy Napier brought that, that mantra here, and he has really implemented uh, and, and impressed his will upon our program. And we can't thank him enough, but it sounds like he and Coach Campbell are similar in that regard. Um, Getting back to football, you see, I, Iowa State's picked in the, the top half of the Big 12 again this year. We kind of wanted to talk about strengths and weaknesses of the team, what you expect, uh, whether it be a grouping, offense and defense uh, together. What do you see being Iowa State's uh, go-to? Uh, is it going to be the passing game, the running game? Is the offensive line going to be a strength? What do you see this year? Yeah, I mean, I think when, when you're talking about strengths for Iowa State, you obviously got to go. Uh, right to the guy that's that's behind center and Brock Purdy, who uh, after playing basically a little more than one and a half seasons as the starting quarterback, he already has 21 school records at Iowa State. Um, I think he's basically pulling to break. He'll be the school's all-time, assuming that he has a year similar to what he has the last two, he'll be the school's all-time leading passer. He'll be the all-time leader in total offense uh, and the all-time leader in passing touchdowns uh, after his junior season. Uh, the kid's special, uh, and and when I t- the things that I say about Matt Campbell, that um, about the culture and all that kind of stuff, like Brock Purdy is the quintessential piece of what Matt Campbell. He is the, the perfect Matt Campbell football player. So uh, I think that it really starts there with him, um, you know. And then you, you look at a, a group of tight ends uh, with Charlie Fuller, Chase Allen, and Dylan Singer, who kind of plays an F back position. Uh, when, when you've got those three, that I think. Uh, and, and you know you see this a lot, even at the national level. If you sat, you could take that room, that tight end room, and, I, and stack them up against anybody in the country. And I think I'd take that that group of three. Uh, Charlie Kohler is a, an All American. Um, Chase Allen is a multiple time All Big Twelve player, uh, and then Sainer is is very very solid in his own right. I mean, he's a guy that's six foot nine, two hundred and eighty pounds, and he runs about six forty. Uh, and they don't necessarily use him in the passing game that much, but when they do, he's He's really good, um, and then he's been become very good as a, a lead blocker in the in the rushing attack. Um, and then they've got a, couple, a group of wide receivers. Really, there's one that's kind of a known commodity in, in Tariq Milton, um, who is about to start his junior season and, and is, uh, I think, in the top six all-time at Iowa State in yards per catch. Uh, he's a major big-time big time play threat. Uh, and then, you know, you're going to have a little bit of inexperience there. They've it's kind of a revolving door at Iowa State the last couple of years with receivers just because of obviously had Alan Lazard for in 2016 and 17 um, and he left as the most productive receiver in, in program history and right away Keen Butler steps up and fills his shoes uh, and, and had a, an absolutely monster 2018 season that propelled him into getting drafted in the, um, the fourth round of the NFL draft uh, and then you know they, they've kind of been plugging and playing here last year, Deshante Jones, who was a guy that had a really solid four-year career, was a very productive player. You have to replace him. But Michael Pelley transferred in as a graduate transfer from Arkansas, uh, who had a very good, uh, very productive last season. Uh, I think he led the team in touchdowns and maybe even second in touchdowns. But uh, so you're going to have to have a couple kids step up there. But uh, they brought in a junior college wide receiver named Xavier Hutchinson, uh, who they had to hold off uh, some last-second um, pushes from Oklahoma, uh, Nebraska in order to um, keep his commitment uh, and everything coming out of the program sounds like he's got the potential to be a, a big time player uh, right away for the Cyclones. 
Uh, and then there's Sean Shaw, who caught, I, I want to say, five touchdowns last season as a sophomore, and he only caught 15 passes. Uh, he's a guy who um, is six, at six foot six. He's kind of a slider build, uh, but he looks like he's got that potential uh, to be the kind of the next man up in uh, in the line here of, of some really good Iowa State wide receivers over the last couple of years. And then there's a handful of other guys that uh, have got some playing time that um, are going to step into some bigger roles here uh, this season. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, if I look at the offense, though, when if you're talking a weakness, uh, it, it's got to be the offensive line. And, that, and it's hard for me to really call it a weakness just because we haven't gotten an opportunity to really see uh, a lot of the guys that are going to be playing um, here this season. They do return two starters. Uh, Colin Newell started as a, a redshirt freshman in 2018. He got hurt in the first game last season and took a medical redshirt, uh, or not a medical redshirt, but he, he didn't play again, and I think they more or less think he will get a medical redshirt. But uh, he'll be back. He'll most likely be the starting center. And then they've got Trevor Downing, who was there uh, as a redshirt freshman last season, uh, was probably their most uh, consistent offensive lineman. So he's going to be a sophomore this year. He'll kind of be the linchpin of that group. Um, but then the other three that are going to fill in around them, uh, it looks like they could have probably a sophomore and a freshman starting at right tackle and left tackle. But they're two of the most highly rated recruits that they've brought in on the offensive line um, in recent years, and Joey Ramos and Grant Schreiber. And then the other and the other guard spot, I think, is kind of up for grabs still. Uh, obviously, it's expected to release a, a depth chart on Wednesday. So Hopefully we'll get a little bit more clarity there, but they've got some pieces at that position that I, I think they feel really good about, mainly being Robert Hudson, who is just a absolute mammoth of a man. I think he's six foot seven, weighs three hundred sixty pounds, um, and and can move and uh, and is, is very very strong uh, from from everything that I've heard. So for the first time in quite a while, they've got about ten guys at that offensive line uh, in that offensive line room that I think they feel really comfortable about. Um, being able to put out there on, on any given Saturday, which is uh, a far and away changed from where Iowa State was about five years ago. Um, and then on the defensive side, I mean, the strength of the defense is probably going to be the secondary, uh, where you bring back all four starters, uh, at two starters at the cornerback spots, and Anthony Johnson and Daytron Young, plus Tavon Kyle, who started a bunch of games for the Cyclones last year at the cornerback spot. Um, and they're, they're actually... Those, the first two started in 2018 as well, so they'll be in their third year as a starter. Uh, and then at the safeties, you'll have three uh, three year starters and Greg Eisworth and Lawrence White. Uh, Greg Eisworth's one of four players in Iowa State history to be a back to back first team All Big 12 player. Uh, I think he's the best safety in the Big 12, um, and he's someone that uh, I think has an opportunity to maybe uh, get a little bit more recognition on the national stage this season. He had, had to deal with some injuries last year. Uh, that held him back a little bit, but he's a, a super productive player and is a big piece of why Iowa State can play the defense that they do. Uh, the linebacker spot should be solid. They do have to replace one starter. Marcel Spears was a three-year starter for them at that, at that position. Um, he was a multiple-time All-Big 12 guy, uh, but they bring back Orion Vance, who was an All-Big 12 player last year, a middle linebacker, and then Mike Rose, who as a, a true freshman in 2018 started Iowa State's season opener uh, and had 15 tackles against Iowa uh, right away proved himself to be a, a very productive player. He's a, He's been on the All-Big 12 team each of the last two seasons and was a freshman All-American in 2018. Uh, and then the defensive line, there's a lot of different pieces there. Um, that ha- and It has a, a group that has a lot of potential to be very good. Uh, the main one, I, I would say, is, is getting back Jaquan Bailey, who was injured in the fourth game last season uh, and took a red shirt. He'll be a senior this year. He'll be a red shirt senior this year. He's tied for the program's all-time sacks. Uh, record and then 
you know, you got a couple other guys in NU, Wajarike and Zach Peterson, who, who have been very productive in their careers as well. And then you've got to fill a, a hole at nose guard, but they've got a handful of guys that feel pretty comfortable. Uh, they feel pretty comfortable with throwing out there. So with the defense, it's hard to really pick one um, as a weakness uh, just because they bring back so many guys and they have so much production returning. And then even at the positions where there wasn't a starter returning, uh, you've got guys who have played, have got, got guys who have proven themselves at the, on the collegiate level, and then they've recruited pretty well at those positions as well, uh, where you have some pretty high-level young guys uh, that I think you, you feel comfortable in how they're pushing the older players. Um, so that's kind of a long-winded answer to, uh, to what you asked, but I guess that would be uh, the best way for me to break it down. <laughs> Not even going to lie, Jared, you just marked off a whole lot of content on our list. Uh, you know, one, one guy I really want to go back to, we, we, you talked about him right off the top of that answer, and that's quarterback Brock Purdy. Um, you know, last year, just in limited viewing of Iowa State, you could see, you know, the, the kind of the kind of superstar quarterback that he was he was poised to be. I mean, 18 yards short of 4000 yards on the year, completed nearly 66 percent of his passes, 27 touchdowns to only nine interceptions. And I'm reading here that he either broke or tied 18 school records last year, which is absolutely insane. Um, you know. What it, do, in your opinion, in in terms of Brock Purdy, is it the offense that helps him shine? Is it his ability, or is it is it a mixture of both? Yeah, I think it's probably a mixture of both. Um, you know, when Brock came in as a freshman, so I, I, Matt Campbell, you know, as much as I say he doesn't have a quote unquote system or something like that, but he does have an ideal way of what he wants to play, which obviously every coach does. Um, and you know, when you have that ideal way, but you're willing to, uh, manipulate it in ways to work with your personnel, I think is a, a being a hallmark of being a good coach. And, um, so the first couple of years that, that Iowa State, he was here at Iowa State, you know, it was kind of a revolving door at quarterback. Like I mentioned, you got Kyle Kemp, who had some, some physical limitations, you know, as good of a story as it was and how good a, of a leader that he was. You didn't have very strong arms, so you couldn't kind of you really were kind of limited in your ability to stretch the field and and stuff like that. Um, and the whole offense was built around David Montgomery and getting the ball uh, into the hands of of Team Butler, Alan Lazard, um, and some of the other guys that were on that offense as fast as possible. Plus, the offensive line was, to put it quite frankly, absolutely atrocious. And uh, it so when you got Brock in, you know he gave you an element of, of he's he's mobile. Uh, he's agile in the pocket. He's got a relatively strong arm and he's a very fast decision maker. So it opened up their opportunities a lot for, um, you know, RPOs and, you know, just get the ball, snap the ball, make the read and get the ball out of your hands as fast as possible. And he's one of those guys that even though he has some of that talent that really makes him shine, he is all about getting the ball out of his hands and getting it into the hands of somebody who's faster than him and who can take the ball a lot faster to the end zone a lot faster than he can. And um, I think that that's what's given him so much success. You know, he's not a guy who's going to try and play hero ball. Uh, He's not a guy that is necessarily going to be out there doing a whole bunch of improvising, although he can and he has that ability and he's had some success doing that at times. Um, As much as anything, he's going to, you know, uh, make plays within the offense. And Andy's a leader, man. Like, I, I think that that's what it always comes back to is that he's a guy who shows up every day, the same guy. Um, he's going to put out the same output. 
um, and you're going to feel comfortable with, with what you're going to get from your starting quarterback every single day. And uh, that's what I think is, is pretty cool about him. Even as a, a freshman, you could tell that he was pretty, he had a pretty steady head. Uh, we, we don't get to talk to freshmen here at Iowa State, but then our first opportunity to talk to him as a, when he was going into his sophomore season, uh, you just tell that he just has kind of a quiet confidence about him and he's not really about making it all about him. Uh, he just wants it to be about the team and he wants to win. And, uh, and I think that that's the, another one of the biggest things. The kid's just a competitor. And the, the best personification of that or best exemplification of that is uh, last year in their season opener against Northern Iowa, uh, Iowa State was, you know, it was a rough game. It rained for a lot of the game. I think there was a little bit of a delay. Uh, and um, the game ended up going into overtime. I actually had the ball at the goal line uh, to try and to go in and win. And something happened. I think there was maybe a mishandled handoff or something like that. The ball ended up getting uh, fumbled. And uh, the guy who comes out of the bottom of the pile at the line of scrimmage is Brock Purdy with the football. And that's your starting quarterback. <laughs> Diving in there to go and get the ball. And uh, when it's about three yards in front of them uh, to begin with. So he's a guy that's just going to do whatever it takes to win the football game. And um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a pretty special player and um, he's one that has uh, obviously torn up the Iowa state record, but already he's going to continue to do so. And uh, you know, even I think that there's some element of where you look at the fact that he broke 18 school records last season. That might be a little bit of an indictment on the history of Iowa state football. But at the same time, it, it, I think that it's also a point that you can uh, you can look at as, as how dang good that, that Brock Purdy has been in his football career at Iowa State. Yeah, you know, the, the Iowa State, the record book thing being an indictment to the history, we can definitely relate to you here in, here in Lafayette on that one. But, uh, you know, another guy that, you know, really pops off the page is Brees Hill, you know, at running back. Oh. Replacing a guy like David Montgomery was obviously a huge task for the coaching staff. And you had five guys at the beginning of 2019 that could really fit that. But after five games, it really looked like Brees Hall was was finally given the keys to that spot, you know, getting 897 yards on the year. But what I what I really want to focus on, you know, I did I did want to mention Brees Hall's ability, but the question that I really want to I really want to focus on the tight ends now. You know, you talked about Earlier in your in your in your strength and weaknesses conversation, you talked about how you guys have some of the best receivers in the country, which I I do agree with on a on a talent level. However, we we love to talk about Phil Steele in this podcast after we interviewed him about a month ago. You know, Phil Steele says that you guys have the best set of tight ends in the entire country with Charlie Kolar Jr. and Dylan Stoner. How you know, what, what makes these guys, in Phil Still's words, the best tight ends in the country? Um, you know, I think the first thing is just, uh, and this is something like, when, I, when Matt Campbell got to Iowa State, they didn't have a single scholarship tight end on the roster. Um, and, like, their offense needs tight ends. Uh, so, like, that was a huge piece of their first recruiting class, which included Chase Allen and Dylan Sainer, who, uh, who will both be redshirt seniors this year. Um, but even for their first couple of years, they really weren't pass catchers. They were blockers. Um, and Chase Allen is a guy who's like six, seven. Uh, I don't know what he's listed at for weight, but he's six, seven. He's not an overly big guy, uh, but he's a, 
you know, he's built pretty well, but he was a basketball player in high school. And uh, he played receiver as a high school football player. He came in, they got some weight on him. I, I don't think he caught a single pass the rest of freshman year, and he was second team all Big 12. Uh, that's how good he was as a blocker and, and how big of an impact player he was. Uh, the thing that changed that to make them, to really elevate them to where it shows up on the stat sheet is Charlie Kohler. And Charlie Kohler came in with a very similar situation uh, out of Norman North in Oklahoma. Uh, he played high school basketball with Trey Young, obviously who's now you know, an NBA, a star in the NBA for the Atlanta Hawks and was a star at Oklahoma. Uh, and, but Charlie was kind of his running mate as a, as a big man on the basketball floor. And, you know, now he's gotten into Iowa State. He's put on some weight and he's gotten himself into a position where he can play kind of a wide receiver, flex type spot uh, that's, you know, gotten to be pretty, uh, I don't know, trendy, I guess would be the best word in the NFL when you think about a, a you know, Travis Kelsey or, uh, you know, whoever else. There's a lot of good players that are playing that position right now, but that's the one that comes to my mind off the top. Uh, he can play that kind of position. Uh, and then he's just really consistent. He's one of the smartest people on the team, uh, almost to where the whenever you bring him up, uh, the first thing anybody talks about is how smart he is, as, as much as how, how good of a football player he is. He's majoring in some sort of engineering. I have no what, no idea what kind of engineering it is, but I think all three of those guys are, uh, are in the College of Engineering. They're all ridiculously smart. And, um, you know, they just they know their role and they go out and they do their job. And uh, I, I think that that's, it, it, again, it's like what I said about the, the culture for Matt Campbell and stuff like that. Like, they don't, they're not guys that are flashy. You know, they're not guys that are going to go out there and probably really even wow you with their skill. And they just go out there and they do their job. And they're not afraid at all to go out there and get their nose dirty and, and to get in there and hit somebody. And, and that's how they got an opportunity to earn the, the right to catch passes, which is what their original tight end coach on the staff but just he left to become an offensive coordinator at, at uh, Central Florida. But uh, that's what he always said was like, you got to block to earn your catches. And so that's kind of where it started. And then, you know, these guys have just turned into really dynamic playmakers. And, uh, you know, I think that Charlie, he's, he's the main one. He's the best of the best receiver of the group. Um, but I think that, you know, if there's a better tight end in the country uh, than Charlie Kohler, I haven't gotten to see him very much. I, I'm, I know that there's some guys that they put up in there uh, in that same conversation, whether it's uh, whether it's young man at Pitt or uh, I know that there's one down at Florida as well. Uh, that's pretty good. But, you know, I, I think that I'd take Charlie Kohler over both of them. I'd take him over just about anybody because uh, uh, he's a guy who makes plays and he's a guy who gets things done in the clutch. Uh, I don't remember what the exact percentage of his catches were on third or fourth downs, uh, but he's when it comes to third and fourth down, you know, more often than not, you better be looking for number 81 because that's the guy who the ball's probably going to be going to. Jared, nobody loves number the tight end room more than me. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, man. I apologize for stepping on you there. No, no. I said uh, number 88. That was, that was, I messed up his number. But that's okay. all. Yeah. Cajun fans, 88. Watch out for him. Yeah. I love the tight end room, yeah. man. I, I've been talking about that for years. Uh, some of our most successful teams, uh, we were strong on the end. So, uh, what you guys have is, is outrageous I love reading about it And, and I can't really I, Honestly, I'm a football fan I'm a Louisiana Raging Cajuns fan, number one But number two, I'm a football fan So I'm looking forward to a fun game to watch So uh, it, either way You mentioned the offensive line uh, You said that there's plenty of guys That got playing time And substantial playing time in some cases You return two starters Isn't it still a concern 
to re- I mean, you replaced in 144 career starts. Is it a concern? Uh, is it a? I mean, obviously, you guys know what you have talent-wise, but experience is still a premium in college football. So maybe talk a little bit about uh, your confidence or your concern level with the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you start when you're losing that level of uh, of experience, I mean, 144 starts is a lot of games. I think that two of the guys that they lost are. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think one of them is the all-time leader in starts at Iowa State, who is their left tackle, Julian Good-Jones. Played basically every position on the offensive line in his career uh, in Ames. Um, but, you know, the thing about the offensive line at Iowa State, and I mentioned this before, is there is it, the recruiting, the history, has just not been very good, <laughs> to put it frankly. And uh, it's one of those things where the, the floor of the talent was considerably lower and the ceiling of the talent was considerably lower. So that's changed a little bit um, since Matt Campbell got here. And I think that the best uh, example of that is, is Trevor Downing, who I mentioned before, who was a young man from Creston, Iowa, which is in Southwest Iowa. Uh, probably about 7,000 people are from there. Um, but he had offers from Nebraska and Iowa. And I mean, Iowa's kind of the main one there. And uh, in this state, when you're a good offensive lineman, when you're a top five in the state offensive lineman and, and you can play at the Division One level, you go to the University of Iowa. And uh, Trevor Downey kind of went against the grain and ended up coming to Iowa State. And, uh, you know, that is a, a just – they are recruiting at a considerably higher level at that position than what they had been previously. Uh, you could go back and look at the offensive line that Iowa State put out in uh, 2015, um, which wasn't – really by our state standards probably wasn't that bad of an offensive line. They had a, a guy who ran for, I think the second most or, or not second most, but maybe like fourth most yards in a single season. Um, but the size of those guys compared to the size of Iowa state guys now is night and day. And that's where I just, I think that the floor of which they are starting with the baseline is higher than what it was previously. So while you're not going to have that experience, I do think that they're bringing in people who are more talented generally, and you're going to have people who are more talented generally sliding into those positions than what you have in the past. Uh, there, there obviously has to be some concern though, because again, like I said, like, man, I've watched a lot of bad lines, offensive lines come through this school. So at this point, you kind of got to see a good one come through before you believe that you're going to ever have one. And, uh, I think that, um, you know, Despite that, they have the potential to be good. Uh, it's just how how quickly and how well are they going to live up to that potential uh, in 2020. Uh, but even if it's, you know, where they get to be a solid to above average offensive line in 2020, and this doesn't really matter for you guys, I think that they have the pieces to have a very, very good offensive line in 2021 and 2022 because all of those guys are going to be coming back for a couple of years and it'll give them an opportunity to kind of grow together uh, and become a unit and get closer to what you really want your offensive line to look like rather than just always having to uh, plug and play people, uh, you know, for whatever reason it is where you're always just constantly kind of mixing everything up. You know, these kids can kind of grow up together and get that, uh, you know, the chemistry, the, the communication and those kinds of things down. And offensive line play is so much about uh, knowing what the guy next to you is going to do. Uh, you know, knowing how he's going to react to a certain situation or knowing how quickly you can release off of a double team and get to the next level or things like that. And, um, you know, so I just think that, uh, you know, their kids are young, but I think that they've got a, a pretty good baseline for, 
for where they can move from here. And, and the other thing, too, Matt Campbell was an offensive line guy on his way up, and Tom Manning was voted the uh, offensive line coach of the year. He's our offensive coordinator uh, in, in their last year at Toledo. So I think they've got a couple pretty good guys that are coaching them up as well. So, Jared, uh, with uh, the the offensive line replacing some of those starters that Jason mentioned, uh, you had mentioned about uh, more or less quantity and, and experience. Uh, we all know, or based on what we've seen, it looks like uh, with having a guy like um, Brock Purdy in the backfield, uh, Brees Hall, you know, backing him up um, right next to him in the shotgun, it looks like they like uh, the Cyclones like to spread it out a little bit with the pass. But with this new offensive line or some of these new guys coming in, even without the um, – the starting title, even though they've had some experiences, uh, what kind of rushing attack do you expect from this team? Because, like I said, they uh, a guy like Brock Purdy loves to spread it out with his arm, but what kind of rushing attack can we expect, and we'll, what kind of effect will that have with uh, a newer offensive line? Yeah, I mean, the thing about Iowa State's rushing attack is, again, I mean, so much of that starts with the offensive line, uh, and, and, you know, you've got to have a good group in front of those guys that can create holes for them. Uh, in order for him to be good. It's what made David Montgomery so amazing sometimes, what he was able to do where he's getting hit two yards in the backfield and somehow he's still turning it into a five-yard gain. But, uh, yeah, I mean, last year he started to see – so Brees Hall's a different kind of running back than what Iowa State has had in recent seasons. Uh, he was a, a four-star recruit out of uh, uh, Wichita North in Kansas. Um, had an office from Oklahoma, a bunch of different schools. Um, and, you know – you look at him, watch him run, and it's like, that kid is a running back. That kid was born to play the running back position. He was a little bit slow picking things up last year, uh, but then in that fifth game when they went on the road to Morgantown against West Virginia, uh, it was like the light flipped on, and all of a sudden it was a completely different guy. Um, they'll use him a lot where they'll try and run him between the tackles when they feel like they've got a mismatch. Uh, they'll try and get him out on the edge. He's got really good speed. He's got that breakaway speed that maybe a David Montgomery didn't have. Um, you know, and then he's He's also deceptively shifty uh, where he can make some people miss. And uh, he made a couple runs in their one-point loss to Oklahoma last year uh, where he made some tacklers just look kind of ridiculous. Um, so I, I, it's hard for me to say, like, oh, you know, they're not going to – I know he's really going to line up in the I formation and run, you know, 42 dive back or whatever. But uh, like, I think it's going to be a good mix where they're going to try and um, run in between tackles. They're going to try and get on the edge. Um, and they're going to try and be creative about that because it's also very dynamic in the passing game where he had a, a, at least one touchdown last year. I think he got 20 passes for about 250 yards last year. Um, so it's just where they try and get him into space. They're going to try and do the best things they can to, uh, to, to get him in positions where he can break off some big runs because when, when he gets a lane, um, he, can, he can take it to the house pretty quick. Jared Stansberry, managing editor of Cyclone Fanatic, is our guest. Jared you know, we, we talked about the offense. Now I kind of want to transition over to the defensive side. You guys run a, a, a multi-front defense, usually usually a uh, usually a 3-4 more, more often than not. But with Louisiana's power rushing attack that we will we will bring to Ames on Saturday, do you expect to see maybe more of a four-man front against against us considering the the rushing ability? Um so the first thing I'll say is, uh, and, and I'll just—it's not—I'm not necessarily correcting you. Just to clarify, they, they actually do play a three-three, uh, where it's, it's like a three-three stack. Um, 
where, where I mean, uh, it's exactly where it sounds. Where two linebackers are on, you know, right off the butts of each of the ends, and then the middle linebackers right off the defensive tackle. But they, um, they kind of, Greg Eisworth will kind of uh, drop down in between where the safeties play and uh, in the linebackers. So he's like kind of like a fourth linebacker, but uh, I, I don't know the best way to even explain it. The, the best one I ever heard was someone compared it to the monster defense that uh, New Mexico State ran with Brian Erlacher back in the day. I don't, but I'm not old enough to remember Brian Erlacher playing in, in college. So uh, that, that's kind of what it is. Um, I think that the biggest thing will probably come down to, uh, I know they've got a couple guys that nose tackle spot who have played that they feel confident in. One of them, a, a junior college transfer and in, in the, from who was the national junior college defensive player of the year last year named Latrell Bankston very disruptive player at the junior college level. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me if he is sharing time with uh, Isaiah Lee, who's a redshirt sophomore, uh, and started one game in, against West Virginia in uh, 2018. Um, and I think that they will probably, if they feel confident in those guys, I imagine that they will play largely out of a three-man front still. Um, but that's because of the confidence that they have in the linebackers that are right behind them as well. Uh, if they did go into a four-man front a little bit, I wouldn't be shocked either. Uh, they'll do that sometimes situationally. Uh, but, you know, the majority of the game, I, I do expect them to probably play with a three-man front, play with three linebackers, and, um, you know, and then have uh, Greg Eisworth as kind of a hybrid linebacker slash safety. Uh, and then you play with uh, so more or less five defensive backs, but Eisworth can kind of float between a linebacker and a, and a defensive back. He's a, he's a really physical player. And look, for my money, after watching Iowa State last year and reading all the PDRs and everything that Phil still has got to say about you guys, I think your, your defensive secondary is going to be the strength of your defense. Uh, with that being said, do you think – well, first, my first question would be you guys signed North Carolina transfer Greg Ross. What kind of contribution – do you think that you'll get from him? Do you think he'll start? And then my second question is, uh, you, you got a, a pretty good guy back in the, uh, the strong safety position, Mr. Greg Eisworth. Uh, in, my, in my opinion, he's a top, maybe a first day NFL draft pick. What do you think about that? Um, well, first thing, with, when it comes to Greg Ross, uh, uh, Matt Campbell just announced this a couple weeks ago, but um, he actually hasn't joined the program. Uh, he had some family issues. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's from Maryland uh, and he elected not to play football this season, which, you know, obviously uh, I think everybody hopes the best for him and uh, hope that everything that it, it works out for him on that end. But, uh, you know, as, as nice as it was to get an addition like that, you know, I mentioned it earlier, just the number of guys that Iowa State has coming back in that secondary. I mean, there's a bunch of dudes who have played a lot of football for Iowa State. Uh, that are coming back. So it's like a, it was a nice addition, but it wasn't necessarily a, a necessity. You didn't have to have him. Um, with, with Greg Eisworth, um, you know, I think that he has a future at the, at the next level. I'm by no means in my NFL draft evaluator. Uh, I'm one of those guys that's like, well, I, I feel like I see a good football player when I see him. Uh, and, you know, I'm not the one that's going to sit there and break down the film or something like that. But I know that when I watch Greg Eisworth, I see a good football player. And like I mentioned before, I see a guy who's physical, he's fast, uh, and he can really kind of shift in between uh, playing linebacker, playing safety. He can play a you know a hybrid nickel. His his cover skills are pretty good. Um, when he was a 
Uh, I think he led the team in pass breakups last season, and uh, he played the majority of last season with more or less one arm because his, his shoulder was uh, pretty torn up in about the I think fourth or fifth game, missed one or two games, um, and uh, was still able to be very disruptive. So uh, I think that he's uh, he's definitely a guy who has a, a potential to be really good, um, but you know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see after his senior year what the NFL prospects end up being. You know, Jared, talk about special teams now. It it seems to have been, you know, a, a weak spot for you guys last year, albeit, you know, injuries. But do you expect better on the special teams? And what have you heard about Alex Probear, the transfer kicker from Liberty? Um, all right, so I, I don't expect – Alex to probably be the starting place kicker, uh, but I do imagine he will be their kickoffs guy. Uh, the guy who is their place kicker, Connor O'Sally, uh, is by no means a guy with a big leg. Uh, you probably can't feel too confident in him uh, 40 yards or deeper, but 40 yards and in, I mean, the kid for the most part is nails. Uh, and, um, if, you know, if they have to kick a deep, deep Keeper field goal, that's probably where you'd see uh, Prover going in there to, to kick for him. But, um, so I think that that's probably how that will shake out. Uh, Sally is a, you know, not a flashy person, he's not a flashy kicker. Uh, he's a walk-on from, uh, from a, a small town in Illinois. And I think just with his consistency, he was able to, to earn that job as the starting kicker. Uh, as far as the punting uh, situation goes, I'll be frank in saying I, I don't know what's going to happen there uh, because I think they've got a pretty intense battle between Joe Rivera, who was their punter last season, um, and then Corey Dunn, who was their punter two years ago. Uh, and uh, it is a, a he's from, I would, can't say a young man. He's 28 or 29 um, from Australia and has been coming up, uh, you know, kind of in that way. But uh, so it'll be one of those two guys that will be the primary punter. Um, and then in, as far as the, you know, the return game goes, uh, Kanae Wangu is one of the uh, most consistent kick returners in the country. He has been for uh, the last – he missed one season, so four years, but three out of those four years. Uh, he's, I think he's second all-time at Iowa State in uh, kick return average, um, and he's he's the fastest player on the team. He was a, uh, I think he, he's probably about 5'11", and I think he high-jumped 6'9", his senior year of high school at uh, down in Texas. He's an absolutely explosive athlete. Um, and he's a guy that anytime he catches it on a kick return, uh, has the potential to, to, to break it. Um, and then it's, they don't really return punts. They basically just catch the ball and, uh, and, and get their offense out on the field. So I won't even really touch on that one just because it's, uh, like I said, it's, they, they basically just want to get the football and get their offense out there. So Jared, right now, um, there's, t- <laughs> it's a, like I said before, it's an unprecedented time. I know that, uh, Different, different protocols, different uh, ways of practicing, and just the whole process of preparing for this game is is just been such an unusual way, uh, very unusual from any other experiences that I'm sure these players have had. But overall, for Iowa State, uh, what is the the health of the team? Uh, any major injury news from camp? Uh, are there any players, any COVID issues? What's it looking like for the overall health status of the Cyclones going into this Saturday? Yeah, so it's a, unless something has changed uh, since Friday, which was the last time we talked to Matt Campbell, and then we'll talk to him again tomorrow. 
to my knowledge, there have been no major injuries. Uh, they're in a, a, a pretty good position on that front. And then um, as far as COVID, the last time Matt Campbell was asked about it, he said that the number of people they had out, you know, quarantining or, or you know, isolating, whether that's for contact tracing or positive tests. Like I mentioned, they'd only had the eight positive tests if, uh, out of athletes two weeks ago. Imagine the entire athletic department. So on um, Iowa State, 16 athletic teams that had eight positive tests. Uh, it, I don't think that there's really too much concern uh, over that at this point of not having anybody. Um, obviously, that could change. You know, I mean, any can change in 2020, I think, is something that we've all learned. And, uh, you know, I think that they probably feel about as good as they, they possibly could on, you know, whatever, what day is it, September 8th or September 7th? Uh, as far as that goes when you've got a game in practice. Well, that's good news. Ideally, both teams are as 100% as we can possibly be. would love to see a great game against two teams that are at full strength. But uh, anyway, I don't know how much time you've had to study the, the Cajuns, Jared. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we it's, it's a few weeks ago we find out we're playing you guys, and then the season feels like it's on our heels right away. Like, it, the time has just, it's vanquished. Uh, but if if you have spent some time learning about us or have some uh, uh, some some film watch from last year or whatever, do you find any position battles in particular to be interesting? You know, for example, Cajun secondary against the tight end group or D line versus O line or anything like that. Um, so yeah, this is it. Actually, kind of stinks. So tonight is when I really do my, and this is how I, I always do things. It's like Monday night is when I really dive into the opposing teams because we have our press conferences with Matt Campbell on Tuesday. So like that was, that's what I'm literally going to do as soon as we get done with this is really dive into it. But um, just from what I've seen so far, and this is really even kind of a general thing with anybody that Iowa State plays. I mean, those tight ends uh, are going to be tough for, I think any team on their schedule to match up with. And uh, obviously Charlie Kohler is a big piece of that but just what the trio of them are able to do and all the different positions that they're able to put them in um, and the way that you can kind of move them around in formations uh, makes them really tough for anybody um, and then I think you know if I was going to have to pick another one it's it's probably going to be the one that I really will be keeping an eye on is is how does that Iowa State defensive line and the linebackers do against uh, an experienced uh, Louisiana offensive line um, in that rushing attack and uh, you know whoever wins that battle uh, probably could go a long ways towards you know winning the game and um, so when I look at that like when you look at the Iowa State defense as good as the secondary is it's going to come down in my mind to what can those six guys so six to seven guys that stay in the box for Iowa State do against that group at, uh, up front for, uh, for the Cajuns and then um, against that rushing attack in order to, to limit it well, listen up. When you finish with that scouting report, just go ahead and email that to me, and uh, maybe we'll get you back on. <laughs> yeah, sounds good, man. Yeah, right, it's gonna be on. It's gonna be on our site tomorrow. So you can check it out. I gotta get my click. We'll plug you for sure. Yeah, no, right, no, no question about it, Jared. You know, as we as we get ready to wrap up here. As a whole, what is your overall expectation of the Cyclones' 2020 season? And if you had to place where you finish among the Big Twelve. Where would, where would you say? Oh, man. Um, I think when you look at expectations, uh, you know, Iowa State's team last year was talented, uh, and I think maybe we overinflated the expectations a little bit going into it. 
we knew that they were going to be talented. You knew what you had come back, coming back in Brock Purdy and all these other different positions, and obviously on the defense, which you know basically all of these guys that are still you know the you know nine, ten starters, depending on how you look at it, um, that are returning. All of them have been multi-year players for the Cyclones. Uh, but even then, there were so many of them that were sophomores and juniors. And, uh, you know, still, while they played, they're still somewhat raw, young, uh, and kind of getting into it. Um, that is that is not the case with this year's team. This is a veteran football team. I mean, this is a, a group of, 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 outside of the offensive line, every position on the field has guys who have played a lot of football for Iowa State. Um, what that means, uh, I it's it's hard to pinpoint expectations and just because of you know, we keep saying it the unprecedented side of what 2020 is um, but my expectation is for Iowa State to be in contention to go to the Big 12 title game when we get into November um, whether they actually do that is you know maybe a little bit different conversation um, but I think that when Iowa State gets into a position where they've got games on the road in Austin, Texas. Uh, when you're playing Baylor in November, when you're playing West Virginia in November, for them to be battling for a spot in, in Arlington and in the Big 12 championship game. And uh, I think that they have the talent. I think they have the experience. Um, and I think that they've got pieces uh, to be able to do that this season. Um, if I had to sit here and make a prediction on what place they'll finish, I mean, I, I would say – anywhere from two, three, four to five. I mean, I think that the, I really don't think that there's as big of a gap between the top of the big 12 and the middle of the big 12, as there has been in previous seasons. Obviously Oklahoma is going to be really good. They always will. Oklahoma state brings back a ton of players. Um, and obviously with Chuba Hubbard and, uh, Tylen Wallace and Spencer Sanders, who are all, um, we're going to have a very dynamic offense. Uh, Texas is always going to be super talented. TCU, I think, has the potential to be uh, improved, even though they, they lost their quarterback. But, um, you know, I think that uh, they, Iowa State will be right there in the mix to be in that top group and to be uh, battling for a, for a position um, in playing in that game, whether it's on uh, December 12th or December 19th. Yeah, no question about it. And lastly, Jared, this Saturday alone, Cajun Cyclones, 11 a.m. on ESPN. If you can provide a roundabout score prediction, what would you say? Man, is it too early in the week for you guys to give yours? I want to hear what you think first. Okay, if you if you want to hear if you want to hear if you want to hear mine, forty five thirty eight, Louisiana comes home with a W. Oh, I love that. Go ahead, Jerry. Oof, it's a toss up. It's a toss-up. I put Jerry on the spot because it's funny. Y'all, y'all are funny. Uh, honestly, I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to say Cajuns 27-24. Jerry, what kind of a fan would I be if I predict a loss going into week one? I got to, you know, you know, I got to have a little fun. So the over-under is 56 and a half. So you're probably looking, I don't know, somewhere in the high 20s, low 30s on each side, right? Uh, I'm, I'm going to yeah. go Cajuns 35, Cyclones 31, baby. Okay. Um. I like that you, that it was a close game. I think that it will be a close game. I think it'll be a really good football game um, and, a, and a great football game to, uh, you know, kick this thing off on national television um, and, you know, really get the, the sport back. And 
uh, really rip roaring again. Um, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a really fun one. I think the, the line opened at what ten and a half for Iowa State. Maybe I thought that was a little bit high, uh, but I think you know I guess probably somewhere in the range of like Iowa State thirty-one, Louisiana Monroe twenty, or not Louisiana Monroe. Man, you guys are probably gonna hit me for that. Louisiana twenty. Uh, 28 or something like that. I think it'll be a close game, one score game. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it'll be a fun one all the way down to the end, I think. We're gonna I got a rule for Cyclones. If you, we're going to have to uh, yeah. to fix you, that Monroe. You guys stuff. have to delete that, man. Delete that. Everybody, all your fans <laughs> are going to be tweeting at me. The beauty of the podcast oh, is man. you can delete shit, man. <laughs> no, dude, we, 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 have, we have to leave it and let you, and let you, let you roast for it. Oh, man, the fan makes Oh, it man. Right away, dude. When I said it, I was like, "Oh no, I'm gonna get killed for that." Oh man. Yeah, oh, no. dude, m- m- yeah. mistakes happen. Jared, we appreciate you so much for joining us. Before we let you go, man, go ahead and uh, go ahead and plug yourself. Tell everybody where uh, where they can find you and Cyclone Fanatic. Yeah, for sure. You can find us uh, as far as uh, our Twitter. You can find us at Cyclone Fanatic. Uh, you can find me at Jared Stansbury. S T A N S B U R Y, and then. And then CycloneFanatic.com And uh, we'll have plenty of content We've got a, a couple podcasts here Coming out the next couple of days That'll really dive into the game um, We'll have full coverage of Matt Campbell's press conference tomorrow And uh, yeah, it should be a fun week, man I'm excited to get it going And uh, I appreciate you guys giving me uh, giving me some time To come on here and talk about the Cyclones I really do Jared, thanks for all the information, man This was uh, absolutely one of the most substantive uh, Interviews we've done with another podcast So we're, we're thrilled It was fun, can't wait for the game Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, bud. Thanks, Jared. Yeah. There he goes, Jared Stansbury from com. Guys, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we will discuss the Louisiana women's soccer game down in Mobile. It was a wild one the other night. We will talk about that and so much more right here on Raging Review. DSC Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store of the Range and Review podcast. PSC is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. PSC is your barbecue headquarters, carrying PK and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see Will in the gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com. Award Master, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Award Master creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review trusts Award Masters for all of their needs and you will too. Award Masters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Award Masters a call today 337-984-1414 or go to awardmaster.com Award Master the recognition and personalization experts. 
Think you're saving money by booking your trips on those travel sites? Think again. Our friends at Escape Reality Travel Agency can customize your trip hassle-free and, in many cases, for less money. Escape Reality Travel Agency offers service before, during, and after the trip. That ensures a top-notch experience for you and your family. Owners Shaden Haney and Chris Lynn Vollenweider pride themselves on providing personalized service and expert guidance for every traveler. Whether domestic or international, the planning process will be painless. Maybe you're looking for a park or resort-style family getaway. With Escape Reality, you can focus on the fun and let them do the work. Perhaps you're looking to attend a Raging Cajuns road game. No problem. Escape Reality can help. Just visit them on the web at yourescapefromreality.com or call 337-281-1801. Cajun Nation, welcome back to Rage and Review. Matt Miguez here, joined by Jerry Bear and Josh Jogno, as always. And we want to send a big thank you to Jared Stansbury, Managing Editor of Cyclone Fanatic, for joining us today to break down the upcoming contest between the Cajuns and the Cyclones Saturday at 11 a.m. from Ames, Iowa. Guys, while we're on the topic, you know, let's let's go ahead and get into the Sunbelt scoreboard for this upcoming weekend. Obviously, like I said, the Cajuns, We'll go to Ames to play the number 23 team in the country, Iowa State, 11 a.m. on ESPN, the mothership. No two, no you, no three, no plus. Right after game day. Right after college game day, it'll be the Cajuns and the Cyclones. Currently, according to Vegas, Iowa State sitting at 11.5 point favorite. Also on the docket on ESPN2, the defending Sunbelt Conference champion, App State Mountaineers, will host the University of Charlotte, also at 11 on ESPN2. App State comes into that one as a 17-point favorite. ULM will go up to West Point, New York, to play the Army Black Knights at 1230 on the CBS Sports Network. Army currently listed as a 19-point favorite in that one. UTSA will go to Texas State at 230. ESPN2, Texas State is a 7-point favorite in that one. And also at 230 on the U. Campbell and Georgia Southern, no line because Campbell is a FCS opponent. Arkansas State and Kansas State, 230 on FS1. Kansas State, a 10.5-point favorite. And then we get to the night cap. South Alabama and Tulane at 630 on ESPN2. Tulane listed currently as a 9.5-point favorite. And then probably my second favorite game of the day, 9 p.m., Coastal Carolina, will play the Kansas Jayhawks on FS1. Kansas is only a seven-point favorite, and we all remember what happened last year when Coastal knocked off Kansas by the score of 12-7. So that is the Sunbelt scoreboard for Week 2. Any games on there that really, you know, stick out to you guys? All I'm saying is go Jags. (laughs) Oh, man. Give me the nine. Tulane. Yeah, too lame. It's their first game in their new stadium, too. Oh, which, by the way, let's just say it right here. Rage and Review road trip next year no to doubt. Mobile, Alabama. Should I mean, I, I, was, I was there last year. I might go to the game. <laughs> yeah. Because 
Wow. Not that stadium, but yes, it's an easy road Han- trip. Hancock-Whitney is, is yeah. a beautiful state. And by the way, while we're on the subject of Hancock-Whitney, shout out to HW for being the official bank of the Raging Cajuns for the next five years. Very nice. Stepping up when we needed it. That's Very good. Nice. That's great. Um, we'll move some accounts over there. And also, guys, you know, talking about the game on, on Saturday, Cajun fans, we want to know. Email us, tweet us, Facebook us, however you want to reach us. Let us know how you're watching the game, where you're watching it, who you're going to be watching it with, because who knows? We might be looking for something to do. Hey, there's a popped topped. Thank you to Schilling Distributing for that one, as well as always, uh, the official alcohol distributor of Region Review. And I'm drinking their beer tonight. So thank you, guys. You're drinking their beer every night. Most nights, every night's. All, all night nights. long. Mm-mm. Anyways, Jerry, where are you watching the game? That's a good question. Uh, I'm probably just going to watch it on my couch. I'm going to sit down on my couch and just just take it in at the fact that we have football, but also take in the fact that the Cajuns are on. Josh, what about you? I uh, don't know. Uh, I'm considering going out and finding some cheap couch and uh, bringing it into my kids' playroom because they possess the biggest television in my home. So I might have to commandeer the room uh, to watch the Cajuns in, in live and living color as big as I can. So, uh, well, who knows? You know, I'll, I'll be throwing it back to the, the Stone Age because uh, I'm working nine to nine. So I will be listening to the melodious voices of Jay Walker and Chris Lano. The dulcet tones as they one. as they deliver the call on ESPN 1420. Jay Birdman Walker. Uh, the the living legend that is that is Jay Bird Walker, friend of the pod, absolutely big friend of the pod. Guys, let's talk about the thing that's really bugging everybody, and that is the cluster injuries that the wide receiving core has has suffered. We now we have Brian Smith Jr., Cassius Allen, Khalif Gossett, and Jamal Bell all gone for the year due to you know a wide variety of injuries from you know arm issues to knee issues to a broken hip. Um, I'm not sure how you break a hip playing football. Maybe maybe a face mask just, you know, landed perfectly. I don't know. But that's that's an interesting injury to get playing football. Um and, you know, now you're gonna see a lot of a lot of freshmen step up. Obviously Peter LeBlanc and Jalen Williams are gonna be your guys, but after that you know, Kyron Lacey, Dante Fleming, Earl Rogers Jr., Golden AK, the uh, the transfer from Oklahoma. You know, those kind of guys are going to be perfect fits to Billy Napier's next man up philosophy, yeah? No question. I mean, it, look, right now when you've got that many injuries, especially with guys that have gotten that type of play time, I mean, really, you have no other option but to go next man up. And I think the beauty of what uh, Billy Napier has done and he did last year is that he's able to rotate a lot of guys in on both sides of the football. If you ever noticed, uh, regardless of what game was playing, he would play anywhere from, what, 50 to 60 to sometimes up to 70 to 80 guys. I mean, he would bring in guys that you thought were redshirting. I mean, well, last year, when you think about it, those first four games, because of that redshirt rule, he was playing guys that redshirted. So... 
that that's where in a situation like this where you have these this many injuries in one position that's where that 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 motto comes in where the next man up is really important uh guys like Jalen Williams and Peter LeBlanc have experience they really made names for themselves last year uh, I know Kyron Lacey high expectations little hesitant on him personally right now as good as he is he does he's never taken a snap so that you know I think he's going to be good I think it, it really depends on how fast he can get his feet wet but I have high hopes for him um guys like Errol Rogers and uh that transfer which is I'm um, sorry I'm drawing a blank from Oklahoma um Doneke. yeah uh, you know, I mean, transfer. I think from I think I'm saying his name correctly. Transfer we're, we're from Oklahoma. Butchering it, but hey, everybody knows. Yeah, but, but here, but here's, here's from Oklahoma. Here's, I mean, but here's here's the kicker. He didn't play football at Oklahoma. He must be athletic, though. He ran track and field at Oklahoma. I need he to hasn't. Try, I need he to hasn't try played. To take the top he, off. Iowa he hasn't. He hasn't played football since high school. Matt, give me the give me the threat of a speedster over the top oh, against I'm a team not, like Iowa State. I'm not doubting the kid. I think the kid. I think the kid's going to contribute very nicely to the program. Well, he's going to have to. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, let, let's keep in mind, you know, and, and I get your point, Jerry. You know, he came from Oklahoma, right? But he didn't play football. That's a Oklahoma. good point. That's a good point. That's true. That's true. He hasn't played football in two or three years. Well, we know one thing: if a man was, well, if he was signed to go run track at a Big Twelve school, he's that fast. means he must be pretty fast. Yeah, no, he's quick. So all you got to do is teach him the fundamentals he of putting is. two hands together, catching a football on a route while running fast, and he'll be fine. He is freaky quick. He'll be fine. No, no, that's good. And look, I I trust the guys that are on the field to see these players every single day. Our own Eric Garrar says Dante Fleming, Mr. Rogers in the slot, and Kyron Lacey on the outside are the, quote, real deal. That's from a guy that's been here, been successful, knows what he's looking at, played in high uh, com- competition or, or highly competitive environments. Uh, that's He's calling these guys that. So, you know, Foote kind of made a good point about Napier's strategy on how we report injuries and how we how he speaks about injuries. He made a comment about his is you know his, his Napier sandbagging because you know he comes from the Nick Saban tree and Nick Saban does that. So uh, he he was concerned that Napier wasn't concerned. I, I think that that's very important to point out. Maybe some of these guys are young and maybe they're inexperienced. And yes, there's a premium on experience. We talk about that all the time here. But maybe just maybe. Talent beats hard work or experience in these type of situations. What's when the, there's no film, when there's no what's, what's the report. what's the legendary John Wooden quote? Hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work hard. Well, that's exactly what I was that that you expounded on what I was just saying there. So I want to see the guys get on the field. Maybe the bright lights get them. But look, we're not, we're not playing in front of a hundred thousand fans in Ames. Playing in front of no fans. And, 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 and here here's the thing. There, there's two games on the schedule that I firmly believe can truly go either way. I'm not going to say who, but I'm just going to say that there's two games that I could easily see us winning and I could easily see us losing. Would 9-2 and two be a problem? No, 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 absolutely not. I mean, would 9-2 would, would, would and two coming off of, you know, a, a shortened wins. season... Because of a global pandemic that nobody alive has ever seen. Well, let me revisit that. Would that would that really be so bad? If you if you read the piece that the advertiser ran about Max Mitchell's goals for the year, nine and two is a disappointment. He fully expects to run the table. Well, I mean, and, and Grant, I love I love hearing that from inside the program. However, I think that's a little far fetched. Sure, but hey. 
I, I love the optimism. You I love the enthusiasm. Absolutely. You want your team to believe in number do one. I, do I think we can run the table? Absolutely. Because and those two games that, like I said, that I think we could easily lose, I also believe we could easily win. And sure. just remember, looking off, look, before last season when the team went 11-3, and three, the best year was in 1976 with a 9-2 and two record. Sure. So the expectations and right. and 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 the, the expectations culture, have risen. They have risen dramatically over just the past. In the last five years. Well, just in the year and a Three half. Years. Well, yeah. Year and a half. I mean, look. Right. I mean, granted, you know, the 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 twenty eleven through twenty fourteen, you went nine and four, four straight years. But then you broke that barrier, finally getting to double digit wins last season. And the national media is talking about you. You have Coach Napier. He was in. You know, they were throwing his name out for coaching jobs. I mean that. That 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 brings your culture to a totally next a different level, higher than where you always were. So, no nine and two, yeah. Look, it, it, the circumstances definitely dictate where, t- what your nine and two record is like. But I, I, I mean, nine who's and two. Is, about nine and two. Nine, yeah, I mean, nine, nine and two. Bad record. That's nine a good and two. Nine and two is putting us in the Sun Belt Conference Championship game again. Sure. Sure. I don't think for so. the yeah, third uh, consecutive yeah, sure. year. And. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I, I wanted to go back to the golden golden AK thing. We were talking about his speed. You know, he when he was at Oklahoma, I'm I'm looking at it now, he participated in the long jump, participated in the triple jump, but in the indoors, he ran the sixty meter dash, which, you know, high school track sixty meter dash was not a thing. I don't know where that can where that even comes from. But anyways, <laughs> his best time on the sixty meter dash is seven point one. Can you extrapolate that in your head and do a forty time? Ten seconds? <laughs> no, I mean, think, look about about ten seconds probably. If he's mm-hmm. an athlete, well, not in the forty. Oh, in the forty, not the hundred. I was talking about forty. Either way, if if you were if you're on scholarship to run for Oklahoma's track, you can run. That you have ability. Simple, yeah. You you have ability. Okay, so what can what have they been able to do since he's been on campus? We'll find out. Obviously, like I said, I'm climbing trees to be able to see inside the practice situation. You know, I got no reports yet. They keep running me off. You know, well, I got security chasing me out of the 60, practice. 60 meters is 65 yards. Right. So. We were told there would be no about, math. That's my fault. About, about five seconds, maybe? Four, four eight, four seven. Nah, I'll be quicker than that, I think. Has to be. Has to be slow. to run in Oklahoma. That's like, I would say four three, four four, maybe. I'll just go four one eight. That's that's freaky quick. That's like gold medal. That's Olympic gold medal speed. Yeah, that, that's Usain Bolt speed. Anyways, let's let's move let's move on. Well, from real that. quickly, real quick. I, I, I do want to expound on something real quickly before we move on with the receiving core. Look, I understand, and look, I, and you guys have heard me off the record that I'm a little concerned about this because, you know, you're you're playing a Big Twelve school. You got a lot of new guys and a lot of new faces. But one thing that gives me optimism is that you've got a quarterback that's a leader. And a Levi Lewis is going to come, whether they run Pascal, whether they study film. I trust Levi's leadership and, and, and ability to help groom these young younger guys to step into that role this Saturday. Can, can I just say my, my how the tables can turn in just 365 days? Yeah. Because let's be totally honest. What were we saying about our offense this time a year ago? I, I picked us to beat Mississippi State. Well, I had us losing, but not, I had not, us. not 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 quite that point. Oh, my my, my point was what, oh, wait and what, see. Were, what were we saying about Levi Lewis? Wait and this see. This time last year, when's the backup going to step in and take the job? Yeah, wait Thank and you. see. But and we're all dickheads. And and now and now we're assholes <laughs> who got proven the f wrong 
And I'm happy to admit it. I'm happy. Oh, yeah, 100%. Missed it. I will, I will eat my crow on that every day of the week. Yeah. I mean, I, I, look, I, I didn't get to do the episode with, with you guys, with Jay, but I, I'll say it straight up about Levi. I had my doubts because before, I don't know if he wasn't able to really do as much or he didn't show me as much. So I had my doubts like, okay, based on what I've seen in the past, everybody was so high on him going in, going into the season last year. And I was kind of like, well, what, what are you guys seeing that I can't see as a fan that I've seen before? And I don't know if it's the, the, the scheme that the offense ran. I don't know if it was just the playbook in the offensive scheme that Coach Napier was able to mold for him. But each game, he got better and better. And I've said it since the bowl game. If he picks up from where he left off and what he did in that bowl game, he's going to, I mean, he's going to give Zach Thomas a run for his money or whoever for that player of the year award wait, 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 at the Sun Conference. That's impossible. That's Zach true. Thomas yeah. is the greatest quarterback yeah, Zach, ever. Zach, Zach Thomas is God. So what are Never we doing right? here? Uh, no, we should not blaspheme. That's, right, that's, of course. Sorry. Now I'm look, sorry. Napier and <laughs> Levi. Napier and Levi grew together. Okay, they did. The scheme evolved to his abilities as Levi matured and and polished his skills. Sure. It was the perfect marriage, and I think 2020 was going to be the culmination and the coming out party. So. Look, the sky is really the limit. We don't even know. We know less now. Hear me out before you say anything. You, we know less now about his ceiling than we did two 100%. years ago when we didn't know anything. 100%. I mean, and look, you know, we, we, this is going to be the best quarterback that ever came through this program at the know, end I'm of the season, I'm, statistically. Mm, statistically, it mm, absolutely will. Mm, He's on the cusp already. He hasn't played a game in 2020. He won't catch Jake in passing yards. But what do we need, 35? Yeah. 3,500? It's gonna you can happen. do it. It's gonna happen. Now, you know, one thing, one thing that I I want to I want to point out in talking about Levi, when we signed him out of Scotlandville, you know, Gatorade High School Player of the Year in the state of Louisiana, right? I swore up and down, the kid was going to be a stud. Oh, I didn't. I thought he was gonna make. I I can remember saying that he was gonna make an immediate impact for us. I will I'll say this, and I'm an idiot, so. I mean, really, I, it's not a big surprise. Lou Bear and I, who coached under Stokes, standing, we were standing about, I don't know, three rows up, and he, uh, Levi is walking around with his liaison when they were recruiting him. Then we, got, we were able to go down and talk to him on the field. And uh, when I stood next to him, he's, he's, he's literally as tall as I am, maybe an inch taller, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lou said, He's going to be a stud, man. He's going to be a stud. And I said, Coach, maybe so. I don't see it. But I'll say this. I don't see it. But he came in here. He worked his ass off. I'll say this. Character was never questioned. Work ethic was never questioned. After the first year, you know what I said? God, I was wrong. Yeah. This kid's kid's average. And then you were right. Well, I mean, look, the first year, first of all, they stripped his red shirt away. Oh, no, 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 no. Do not call it that. We're going to have they, this conversation. We're going to have this conversation because you pulled the cat out of the bag. His red his red shirt was not stripped. It was requested. Mark Hudspeth could not get his head out of his ass. I already know, for, I know, no, I know no, that. let me say let me talk. I already know that. Let ahead. me talk. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go he ahead. couldn't get his head out of his ass <laughs> far enough to realize that his job was gone. I already knew that. And he ruined a kid's career regardless of what regard could you imagine potentially could you imagine if last season was Levi's sophomore year what if we don't play football this year think about that 
Could we you, would have never been able to play this if year. If last year's 3,000-yard performance was Levi's sophomore year, right? he'd be a junior this year, boys. I, know, I already know that. And I'm kind of disappointed because of that. Mark Hutz single-handedly ruined the kid's career. Well, they were I trying think to going to be fine, but, but, but were, I agree with what you're trying to say. They were trying to look. The coaches were trying to save their careers. All we all know that. All but with them. that said, their careers were gone. With that said, their time at Louisiana was already over. With that said, when Levi first came in and his in his uh, his well his freshman year, uh, when his red shirt was taken, um, you could from him. But, you could okay. tell. You could tell that he was he wasn't quite polished. I mean, you looked at the film. He was a scrambler. He did a great job on the rollout. You know, but it wasn't. He wasn't as uh, as polished. poised as polished. That's one thing that gave me doubts because I'm like, okay, you're not going to be able to survive running in circles and become a stud quarterback. And you saw what he did last year. I think he's going to be even more poised this year yeah. than last year. Well, he's going to be the steady hand. Yeah. He's going to be the steady hand. No, I, I, I think I think that's true. I think that's right. I, look, we, we missed it. I missed it. I know a lot of people yeah, out I there missed too. it. I had my doubts. 100%. So, so there's nothing wrong in in. in just admitting that you missed it, and that's fine. It happens all the time. NFL scouts miss it all the time, okay? We missed it. I'm thrilled to be proven wrong. I'm so happy to have Levi on the team, representing us well, playing well, putting us in position to win games that can put us in, in, in national conversations. I mean, this is a huge situation for us. Sure. So, go ahead, Matt. And before we, before we move on to breaking down the interview with Jared, you know, shout out to Lance Key and the Cajuns. How about soccer that, huh? Soccer kids. program. Man. So, man, Friday, Friday night... They beat a solid, solid Abilene Christian team here yes. at at the complex in front of 500 plus fans. Yeah, uh, I would be interested know, to go through the record books and see if that was a, a, a attendance a, record. A, it has to be right, right. And then last night they go onto the road. They go on the road to six out of the last seven year defending champ, South Alabama. They're down one nothing in the 89th minute. One for nil, people, Matt. For people, you're right. I'm sorry. One nil on the pitch. For people, for people that are not educated in the 89th, educated soccer wise. Let me let me say that. The 89th minute means that there's only one minute left in the game. Lizzie Mayfield equalizes it right before time expires, makes it one one, pushes it to extra time, and then the freshman Alyssa Abbott, mind you, off the assist. Of Lizzie, Lizzie Mayfield. Yes, sir. Wins the game in the 107th minute to win 2-1. to one. And also, another fun fact about this game, if you haven't seen it, Josh Brunner, our director of athletic communications for football and women's basketball, his younger sister, I do not know her name. However, his younger sister made her first career start Sunday against Louisiana. As a member of South Alabama soccer team. No kidding. That's awesome. Josh traveled to Mobile to be there for the game. So, you know, awesome family moment there for the Brunners. Yeah. Uh, congrats to his sister. You know, I'll, I was saying earlier today, you know, if if I'm a women's soccer player and I wanted to stay at a small school, South Alabama probably would have been my first choice too. So that was when you win. So, you know, prop, props to her. Awesome stuff there. Um, guys, look. Coach Key's got something working, dude. I mean, <laughs> we talk about culture all the time on the football side, but yeah, the, there's the, definitely a culture change happening. You know, you know the saying. You know the saying. There's something in the water. Yeah, 
the water system got changed out really quickly when well, Vince Key showed up. I had the chance to watch a little bit of that Abilene Christian game on ESPN. It was televised. I was at home, and right. I, I, I got to tell you, I was impressed. Fundamentally, the girls look really crisp. I they watched a sound. few of their games last year. Yes. They look like they've come a long way. They look like, again, fundamentally, Coach Key has done a fantastic job with this team. I expect a lot more results like this in the future, and he's building something special with that soccer program. No I question. expect a good crowd on, I think it was, it's Sunday the 13th. Stephen F. Austin. When yeah. we play at home again, and yep. we're going to be there. Uh, I can't wait to see. Look, you got something rolling. You got the crowd rolling. You got interest. You got, look, I was looking at their social media numbers, and they were excellent. Yeah. They were excellent. So I hope they keep it rolling, and uh, I don't I don't see why they can't. All right, guys, fairly quickly, let's break down. The interview with Jared Sansbury, managing editor, Cyclone Fanatic. Uh, what'd you like, what you don't like? You know, so on and so forth. I don't know how quick I can be, but I got a million things I could say. Uh, I, I love to look at the position breakdowns. I like matchup versus, you know, this group versus this group. Let me tell you something. I know we have cluster injuries on the wide receiver core. I understand that. That's going to be tough to overcome. But what I'm going to say is, there's not a single team in the Big 12, the Sun Belt, the SEC that has tape on a Billy Napier coached team with a full stable of tight ends. We have the best tight end core we've had in years, probably since Peanut and uh, Ian. I mean, it was a hell of a, like, we had some good tight ends back then. We haven't had that in a long time. I think we feature the tight end on Saturday. I think we feature the tight end throughout the season. I think it adds a different wrinkle to this offense, which was already absurd last year. It's going to be a lot to prepare for, and there's no film. That's what I like. I think we still have plenty of speed on the outside. Look, I understand that experience is important. I I, I still have a lot of confidence in Jalen Williams, Peter LeBlanc. I really believe that these guys have a plan for these young receivers to feel some confidence early in that Iowa State game. I, I don't necessarily think we're that hampered by the, the cluster injuries. And I know that's absurd to say because we're losing five of the top six receivers from last year. I get all that. Sometimes you just have it at, at a position. I think talent-wise, this is going to be uh, one of those situations for us. Look, the talent, the, the, the recruiting level has picked up substantially in the last three years. A guy like Dante Fleming, a guy like Kyron Lacey, there's no, it's, it's not a question why Baylor was hot after Kyron Lacey three months into him signing with us. This guy is the real deal. And there's going to be a learning curve. I understand all that. He possesses the size. He possesses the ability to make a big play. He's got speed to burn. It's all about what can he do when the lights come on. It's all, Seriously. So I'm not... Not that I'm not concerned. Of course it's a concern. Experience is important. But I think we have the guys that can still make plays. I want to feature the tight end. And I want to give the ball to... to Regis and Mitchell 60 times. Do what you know how to do. Let that offensive line do what they know how to do. Let's go run the clock. Let's go put the score or run the score up on these bastards and get a win. You know, if, if you ask me, I have one key to victory. Don't let the bright lights get to you. Here's the thing. Billy Napier and his staff have a game plan. They have a great game plan. They have a great. They have a game plan that can beat any team in the country. They always do. What's gonna cost us the game is when the big atmosphere of the Big Twelve and Ames, Iowa, and whatever else 
gets in your head. Excuse my French, but block that shit out. It doesn't matter. There's not a, there's not going to be a fan in the stands. It doesn't matter. It's a scrimmage. That that's the mentality. It's a scrimmage game. It's go, man, it's man on man. Go go ball. The energy is going to be a little different minus the fans, right? Just go just go play football. Let's go play football. No, do what you know stick, how to do. Stick to what you know, play your style of football and go win the damn game. That, that's all there is to it. I mean, I I don't know, Jerry, if you have something to add, but I mean, if I, if I'm Coach Napier, that's what I'm telling the kids. Stick to what you know. Look, one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Varsity Blues. It's a 90s classic. Uh, one thing that Coach Bud Kilmer, played by John Voight, he goes up to Johnny Moxon, the quarterback, and during practice, Johnny messes up on a play, and he takes that whistle. Stick with the basics. Stick with the basics. Stick with the basics. And he's hitting them on the helmet with the whistle. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. One thing about this football team, one thing about our football team, is that they're very fundamentally sound on the offensive line. They're very fundamentally sound with the rushing attack. They're very fundamentally sound even with the receiving core, even though they may be hurt, even though they may be a little bit down on the receiver's end. That's one thing that, like, and it's kind of the same thing that you just said, Matt, about, you know, don't get pressured under the lights. Just stick with the basics. That's one thing that has come such a long way since Coach Napier and his staff have been here is that the fundamentals, that's how you, you that's how, that's how the North Dakota states of the world beat teams. They're not like, yes, they have athletes, but they're not doing anything flashy. They're a fundamentally sound team. And so that's one thing you have to do going into this weekend against Iowa State. Don't get intimidated and just stick with what you know. And I think they have a shot to do that. They know who they are. Talking about South Dakota. Yeah. They know who they are. They know what they do well. We need to know who the hell we are and what we do well. Mississippi State last year, okay, and there's a few turnovers that changed the outcome of that game. There was four. Five. Five. Well, 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 the the interception on the Hail Mary, but yes. Outside of the turnovers, we forgot what we did well with the gadget bullshit. And you want to know why? why? Why did that happen? Under the lights. The bright lights got in our freaking head. Well, the bright lights got in our coach's head. Well, And I love Billy Napier more than anybody, and look, I have a ton of respect for our staff. It can happen to anyone. The first Appalachian State game at Cajun Field was exactly that. The only game we really, 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 in my opinion, lost last year was the the conference championship. On the sideline, we got Compared to... And, I mean, mean, yes. And we were still in it, even with the mistakes, but, but... the, those first I, th- I two think, you, I think were, you could tone that to the bright lights too, but you know. Well, and maybe, and maybe, but just this is just a casual fan's opinion. I think Napier and company tried to outsmart themselves because they had to be smarter. Hundred percent. Look, I don't think we have to do that this year. We have the team, we have the talent, we have the depth. I think we have the key, I mean, key players and key roles that can make the plays we need to make. We don't have to outsmart anybody. Like like Jim Nagy said, we have the second best running back room in the country. Right. Not Use them. not running backs. Room. Running back room. Yeah, we've got the best running. We got the second best running back room in the country Look, outside of Tuscaloosa. You've got three guys that are going to be rotating in that are that have NFL caliber talent. Agreed. And and use that. I mean, look, you look at high school teams around the area, and some of these teams that are considered dynasties run the Veer offense. And and, and I'm so glad that you pointed up. I mean, you brought up. The it's Veer. nothing flashy, but it works, and it's fundamentally sound. And it's they stick with the basics. Let's remember. A member of our 2021 recruiting class in the running back room comes from a Veer offense. 
Kendrell Williams from Karen Crow. Stud. God, I guess. So, so, and, 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 and I I think, I've got, I've got insider information on that one because, you know, my brother's an assistant coach for Karen Crow. Sure. And, and I think. You can look at him. Well. Yeah. Look at his tape. Now, now I will say, I will say, and then this is one thing that I am a little curious about, I, and I have confidence it can get done going into this game, is, look, defense is going to have to play lights out, especially in the secondary. Iowa State, they've got an NFL-caliber quarterback. He throws well. He Typical Big 12. Little quick passes here and there, throws the ball 50 times. Joe, Joe Dillon's going to give him fits. Hey, put I pressure will, on him. Put pressure on Joe him, Joe Dillon and Chauncey Manack are going to give put him pressure fits. On him. I really want to get into group mashups. After Jerry, because I'm, I'm telling you, there are certain things that we can exploit, in my opinion, that, that's, I don't know if people are thinking about. Go ahead. I, I want you to finish because I, I love your point. Well, I think, I think, I think defensively, um, one thing we have to do is we're going to have to contain the pass the best way possible. We know Iowa State likes to spread it out. We know you have a guy like Brock Purdy that, is, that does a fantastic job of doing that. Distributing. But, with this, yeah, distributing the short pass, kind of like what Oklahoma State likes to do, dink and doink, right? But... Here's the thing about the Cajun secondary, especially at the corners, is athleticism. And I hope, I'm hope i hoping the athleticism, if they don't create too much separation, can kind of put some pressure on, on, on those receiving and their receiving core, a very experienced receiving core. My concern is like what we talked about earlier, our safeties. We can't let them get over the top. Cannot do that. And I think they have the athleticism, to, the Cajuns have the athleticism to compete with that. And another thing is too, you don't want to let them get those quick scores. You want to get some three and outs, build some confidence, but let the Chauncey Manix, let the Chauncey uh, Mannix, as well as the Joe Dillons, let them put pressure, put some pressure on that line. I, I, I don't want to correct you before Josh, before you get started, but receiving core for Iowa State is actually incredibly inexperienced. Lots of new guys. They have a ton very, of new. very young. That's true. Very young. Their tight end group, however, yes, outstanding. Phil Phil Steele says they're the best tight ends in the country, and that's where okay, that's a, a, this is what I was trying to talk about position groups. You got guys like Chris Moncrief, you got guys like Quibido, you got guys like Andre Jones that drop in the covers. This is going to be the fastest defense we've had in my lifetime. Most at, athletic for sure. It's going to be the fa- at least in my football watching lifetime. It's going to be the fastest, most most athletic. The way that you neutralize that part of the field is with linebackers that can drop into coverage. If we can do it, and I think we have the ability to do it, it's going to change their game plan. If they try to go over the top, okay, you got, what's Cam Solomon, 6'3", 200 pounds? Cam Podesco is a little bit smaller, but he's a big, solid guy to come up and pop you. You got cornerback one, Eric Garrett, a three-year starter. He's a bump-and-run kind of guy. He's going to give, uh, uh, what's his, Milton? Uh, what's the guy on the outside? Milton. 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 Look, you disrupt that guy and you get him frustrated. Maybe you get Purdy frustrated. Okay, going back to uh, the, the grouping matchups, they are replacing a ton of experience on the offensive line. 144 st- uh, starts is not, that's not insignificant. That's huge. I don't care how often they started and got spot playing time and mop-up right. duty. These guys are going to have to go against a freshman All-American in Joe Dillon who's healthy for the first time in three years. Chauncey Manack is from Georgia, dude. He didn't get, he didn't get recruited to Georgia because he couldn't play. He's a four-star. He's a four-star, yeah. and he's healthy for the first time in two years. We have guys, uh, you know, like I said, Dre Jones. you got guys on the outside that are going to rush the pass. Chris Moncrief. Renzo McCaskill. McCaskill's He's now look. I want McCaskill. McCaskill, McCaskill might be one of the difference makers of this game. I want him eating up tackles. That's what I want. 
I, I don't know. I, look, if we're going to blitz, that's fine, but I would rather do a zone-type blitz. I'd rather sit back and cover. That's what I'd rather do. It's Big 12. They're going to throw the football. Uh, Brees Hall is a runner, and we're going to have to be cognizant of him. But, hey, let's get the buck linebacker spy or something. I, whatever we have to do, I am confident we'll have a game plan. But I think that our defensive line, the experience and the athleticism and the speed, versus their offensive line, who is new, a lot of these guys are new, I think that's definitely a, a grouping matchup to, to pay attention to. I also think our tight end groups, Neil, Lumpkin, these guys, Bergeron's back. He's got some experience from last year. you got three guys that you know you can rely on. They're linebackers. Again, talented, but we have some spot starts here. we got some spot PT. Let's utilize the tight end. Sure. I love the tight end against the linebacking core of, of Iowa State. I love those. Those two groupings are the ones I'm looking forward to the most as a football fan to watch when they go up against each other. And you're also playing a Big 12 defense. Sure. Uh, you know, in many ways, they're at, they're athletic, but they give up points. Um, and one thing that I've noticed against Big 12 defenses is if you can not only pass but run the ball and wear them down, that's where you start to get that chance to have a real shot of winning this thing. And that's where, like I've said offensively, Use the rushing attack to your advantage. Yes. I mean, ground and pound right up down their throats. Look, we're an experienced offense. Well, it's like we talked about with you know? Jared. They're replacing three nose, three nose guards, a starter That's and two backers. Right, that fit, that plays right into our system. We've right got experienced guys that just, look, put your hands on somebody and move them. Mm -hmm. Osiris Torrance, come up and hit somebody, move them. We're going to be looking for you. Let Regis run somebody over, wear their ass down. Dominate time run of possession. That's how you do it. Dominate the time it. of possession. And hold on because like ball. you said, they're athletic. But here's the thing. Big 12 defenses don't stay on the field very long. No. So here's, It's a it, run and shoot situation. They're, they're not, the stamina is low in Big 12 defenses. It's if true. you gas them early, you dominate the football game. Uh, here's another point. They recruit to their competition, right? Of course. So if they're recruiting you to recruit stop, what you need. If they're recruiting to stop a spread offense like a TCU. Or an if, Oklahoma State. Or an Oklahoma If you're or recruiting an air, to stop that. They're recruiting to stop a spread and an air raid. You want to yeah, be sure. leaner and more athletic, and that's fine. But when Trey Regis is staring down the barrel and wanting to run your ass over, that lean safety ain't going to do nothing for you. Right. <laughs> He's going to fall forward every single time, and or, that's what we got to do. on his back. That's what we have to do, man. We need to run it and run it and run it some right. more. Yeah, no question. No question about it. 11 a.m. ESPN right after game day. Like we said earlier, 11 and a half point favorites are the Cyclones. However, I think that's high. Oh, let's talk about that. Talk I think about that. I think that's high. 11 and a half? Uh, I think 11 and a half is high. And they added the hook to it. They added the half. The <laughs> hook always gets you, you know what I mean? They added that hook. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, do, we, do any of you think that they're going to cover an 11 and a half point spread? Jerry, you go ahead because I got I got like I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I mean, I, I would hope the do, do you think we lose by two touchdowns? No, no. So thank you. They don't cover. No. All it takes is well. Here's the thing: a game like this, it takes one play. If there's a pick six at the end, I think throughout the game it'll be less than ten points either way. It's a close game. Yeah, it's I, two I good teams. We're good. It is I think it's a touchdown Again, game. A if touchdown. you dominate the time of possession, I'm gonna say this right now: thirty minutes or more. The Cajuns need to have the football. Yeah. I don't know if Billy Napier is willing to run clock. Maybe he is. Hey, I'm not saying. I, he, I don't know he, shit. Need, he needs to be this Saturday. I don't know shit, but what I will tell you is, so the over-under is right around 56. Right, which I, I also think is low. I, I think it's low, but but look, if, if, if the game plan is to run clock, if Purdy and Campbell think, hey, they have a rushing attack, let's hold on to the ball ourselves, 
Maybe a run and shoot is not the game we want to get into with these people. Shit, dude, it might come down to who gets the ball first. You never know. That's what's so great about college football. Well, that win against Georgia Southern last year towards the second half, that's exactly what they did was run clock because Georgia sure. Southern couldn't stop the rushing attack. But, but this is what we forget about that game. What happened on the first possession? Long ball. Bam Jackson. Le- set the tone. Levi to Jackson, and the game was totally changed. Yep. I, I don't think that they thought we'd go over the top. I don't think he, they thought that he could make the pass. Yeah. And he dropped it in the bread basket. And, and I mean, scored I mean, like four plays. I'll, 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 was I'll, like, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I said when he threw that ball. Holy hell, what are you doing? Oh, it was gorgeous. Oh, I know. That was a Sunday I, throw. When, when, I mean, at the end, I was like, hell yeah, what a play. Yeah. But when he dropped back in, the, I think, what, what was it, a third and seven? I think it was a third down yeah, play. it was a third down play, I believe. I said, holy hell, what the hell are you doing? Dropped a dime. Why? Why would we not run a slant route and get the first down? Dropped a dime, man. No, it's a beautiful throw. You changed the complexion of the game. Freaked me out for the five minutes that it was in the air, though. (laughs) Yeah. Five, I say five minutes, five seconds. By the way, that's another good point. Okay, special teams this year is going to be a totally different monster. We know we got Reese. We got Chris Smith in the back for kickoffs. We've got Eric Garrar, third-year returning kicks, or second-year returning kicks, but third-year in the program. We have full confidence. Returning punts. Got it. Yeah, sorry. Returning punts. Uh, we got a touchdown under his belt last year against South Al, right? The, the, he almost. I don't think he did. He, he, he didn't take it all the way down. He almost did. He got tackled like a five. Yeah. And he's from. Is he from like? He's right from Mobile. The, yeah. So that was great for him. But I got. I got a ton of confidence in Garrar. I, I think that Nate Snyder is going to be a very good addition. Nate for us. Snyder. That kid is going to be lethal. Yeah. In our special team. According game. to Reese Burns, friend of the pod. Guy's a real deal. He's a Big Ten kicker. He's a real deal. <laughs> what more do you ask? Yeah. No, no he's a Big Ten no, okay, kicker. Okay, let, let, let's let's okay, let, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Indiana is the Vanderbilt of the Big Ten. They were in a oh, bowl game last year. Didn't they? Did it win? No, no. They, they almost beat Tennessee. I mean, it, they're, it's gotten better. They're they've gotten better, but they're the Vanderbilt of the SEC. I they're they're them, in there. I wouldn't go that far. I no, not last year. I call them the Georgia State of the Sun Belt. Yeah, Pop but it's it's top. Pop top. There you go. It's a P five kicker though. Regardless, I mean, even I mean, here, yeah, I mean, it's I'm a with P5. you. I'm I mean, with look, you. I'll, I'll take it all day. Sure, I'm, I'm with sure. you. Sure, but it, saying fre- freaking out when you say the Indiana kick. Oh my God, it's a Big Ten kicker. Ah, uh, maybe. I'll take one. I'll, what is that maybe. bad? I mean, is that give a bad me, thing? Give me, give me a guy that can make field goals. Yeah, the <laughs> I, I don't care if it comes from the backyard. What, uh, give me, give me a bread bear. G- give me, give me a kid. Dig up an eligibility for that guy. Give me, give me a kid that can kick. All right, Cajun Nation, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Rage and Review. You can also now follow us on the Snapchat at Rage and Review, newly added to the social media universe. And the gram, guys. We're putting yeah. pictures of stuff. I, I said we're on the gram. Well, we got Matt. I think we got like a half-naked picture of Matt y'all want to check out. Oh! <laughs> Anyways, RageReviewPod.com, currently under construction. We have one available for you now, but new and improved coming soon really 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 good yeah fantastic work by those guys we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come Alta security shout out yeah absolutely not yet on board but almost there all right cajun nation you guys enjoy this week stay safe stay well hey go see ed at priority access urgent care and test y'all asses for covid so we can play football yeah absolutely no parties go cajuns as always tell them Obi.